I mean, in the the, the ten years that I've been in this industry, mm-hmm. um, I've seen it improve quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's still out there, so we need to. There still needs to be addressed. Getting better, but with over the past year, two years, the number of women gun owners, female gun owners, has drastically. Yeah, and I can talk about it too, because like, uh, I don't know if it's just because I am a female or what it is, but like occasionally I'll walk into a class with 12 people and it'll be almost all like, it'll be 11 out of 12 people are all female in my classes. And I don't advertise them, and none of my classes besides my ladies' group is all female. Like, they're all co ed. But like, more often than not, I'll walk into a room and there'll be 12 ladies sitting there staring at me. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, for not advertising it as an all woman's class, we have a lot of people coming. Like, that's a big need, at least, at least in my community. It is. I'm sure it's the same across the states. So, yeah, I could. Um, uh, if you're talking about the MMA stuff, I have my old uh, one of my old fight uni- uniform things with my sponsor was actually my shooting sponsor. I had more shooting sponsors for my last fight than anyone else. Like, it was all shooting stuff. It wasn't all like fighting stuff. Uh, I could grab that if you wanted me to, but I don't really know if that's like people need to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, let me grab it real quick. Yeah. Does MMA allow that? I guess yeah. they do, yeah. They're my heroes. <laughs> yeah, I had a... Hollison, which is a target company. I had Axel, which we know, you know how, who Axel is. I had sharpshooters, chiropractor, and then sharpshooters. Pretty sure there's still a little bit of like sweat and blood on that one, but. <laughs> so are you still doing the MMA? Um, I took a little bit of a break because uh, like the fight, like fight camps, the, the reason I don't fight all the time is because the fight camps take like six hours of your day for four or five months. And right now I'm so heavy in the business that like, I just don't have time to separate myself for that long to, you know, yeah. get no, in real fight camp. I want to talk about that. Cause I, I'm into yeah. MMA. I like the MMA stuff. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I'm good. You good? I'm good. Let's do it. Did you put your vacuum up? <laughs> I did. See, it's not there anymore. <laughs> you, you even cleaned the house for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm a super organized person. My house is usually clean, but I was like trying to, I need a black or white background or something. You need to get you a little something like this. All right, lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Lefty. And uh, we bring you the education here at Talking Lead. Ten years of educating the uneducated. And uh, we do a little more than that. So we hope that in this 10 years, and I know we've got several of you listeners that have been with us since the beginning, and we appreciate that. And we're picking up new listeners every day. So if you're a new listener to the podcast, welcome. And make sure you go back and check out our past episodes. I think there'll be something there that you definitely can connect with and will enjoy. Um, Our last episode, I was trying to think what the last episode was, was... um, we talked about the importance of knowing first aid and uh, having some medical skills and kit and gear that you need to use. We did that with Medicine in Bad Places and Tom Kane. And Tom's been on the show. He's, he's like his third time on. And Maddie, who's our guest today, Maddie, and I'm going to, is it Scholar or Scholar? Scholar. Scholar. Okay. Because I made fun of... Uh, <laughs> I thought you were teasing me with your last name last time, but uh, 
Oh, no, no. I get it all the time, though. It's fine. Uh, this is Maddie's second time on the show. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But make sure you go back and check out that episode. We had Thomas Kane and Sean Solar. His his last name was Solar. Getting all you scholars and solars and... <laughs> Uh, but it was a very informative, educational episode uh, with those two guys. And make sure you go check out Mission in Bad Places. Mission, Medicine in Bad Places. <laughs> I did that with him on the show, too. I kept calling him Mission First Tactical because Mission First that Tactical. That's a company, though. Like, that actually is a company. Well, they're, they're one of our sponsors. So. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, not too far yeah. off. But Medicine in Bad Places. And uh, use the code LEADHEAD. Sean extended this discount to you LEADHEADs exclusively. You're going to get 20% off any of their products there. And they've got some great pre-made IFAC kits uh, that you can get there. And then they've got other things too. But 20% off anything at Medicine in Bad Places at their website. Uh, and it's all spelled out. .org is their website. Uh, so good episode. Go back and uh, check that out. And then this episode, um, I wanted to to focus more on the females in in the industry, in the shooting industry, in the firearms industry, because of the and it's exciting. You know, it's not an alarming number. Uh, the increase in female firearms owners uh, over the past two three years, uh, due to the unrest, I guess, the civil unrest that we've experienced here in the, the United States. I think it's fabricated for the most part, this unrest. Uh, it's media and governmental um, um, fabricated unrest. Uh, but it definitely has stirred the pot and I think made more men and women um, aware that Having an alternative means of protection other than your local police department uh, is viable, and it is definitely legal, which is why we have the Second Amendment. We have the Constitution, which no other country in the world has. Um, so, and with what's going on in Ukraine right now, I think it speaks volumes to our forefathers in their um, foresight of of needing such a thing to protect the citizenry of their country, of this country. So Maddie, welcome in. If you would, um, I don't think we had an opportunity the last time that you were on, we talked shot show last Mm -hmm. time, uh, to really, um, get into, to who you are and what you do. So give us a, an overview of, of what Maddie dog training is all about and, and Maddie scholar herself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right now I do full-time firearms instruction, I usually spend about two weeks out of the month traveling. Uh, I usually am either taking courses myself or I'm teaching somewhere else, uh, something along those lines. So been running the business for about two and a half, three years now, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've gotten to see a lot of the country, and I've also gotten to meet a lot of really cool people. Um, so, yeah, that's why I've been doing full-time for a while now. Yeah, we met down in Georgia at an event that was going on down there. Uh, our, our mutual friend Jason over at Daniel Defense introduced us. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad he did. Yeah. It's, Two podcasts later. It's been really, yeah, it's been really cool knowing you. And uh, we're going to find out more about Maddie coming up. Uh, but before we do that, you know what I hear, Maddie? Hmm. 
I'm hearing that jack wagon train. It's rolling in. So we got we got some jack wagons we want to take care of. Gunny, bring that train in. Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed, and we want to take care of some jack wagons. Do you have a jack wagon, Maddie? Um, I don't have a personal jack wagon, but mm-hmm. I know that you had talked about something prior to this us recording. Yeah, and I think this is going to um, probably be on everybody's list. Yeah. Uh, the the president of the United States, Sleepy Joe, let's go Brandon, did a State of the Union address. Uh, pretty boring uh, for the most part. Uh, I sat through a little bit of it, didn't hear all of it. But I did hear the part... Uh, about his, because I wanted to see if there was anything about gun control. You know, if they were gonna, he was gonna make a bold stand on coming after, you know, our firearms, our Second Amendment rights. And of course, he did. He he made a statement about it, but it uh, it wasn't a lot. It was nothing that we haven't heard uh, in the past. But of course, you know, Joe being Joe, things that come out of his mouth don't always make sense. Uh, so this comes from American Military News. It says Biden demands gun control in State of the Union address, and I'm going to read this. Just just quick little thing here, and, and you'll see where I'm coming from. I think there's a bunch of memes. You said there's a bunch of memes. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to watch the State of the Union, but I did see a bunch of memes about deer and Kevlar, so I was kind of. Kind of wonder, wondering about that. Yeah, and I couldn't get the the two jack wagons that were behind him during the whole thing with that those fake smiles and expressions that they and that Kamala could barely contain herself from from like rolling her eyes and cracking, I guess, uh, a, a a smile when he would do his buffoonery statements. But this is one of them in his first State of the Union address on Tuesday night. President Joe Biden once again called for more gun control, including bans on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, which we never hear the end of that. They're always bringing that up. I will keep doing everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking and ghost guns you can buy online and make at home. They have no serial numbers and can't be traced, Biden said in his address which is completely legal. There's nothing illegal about that. And there are already laws in place for people who abuse that. So, yeah. um, anyway, I'll continue. I asked Congress to pass proven measures to reduce gun violence, pass universal background checks, which we already have. We have background checks. And as long as the government is doing their part, they work. Right. Why should anyone on a terrorist list be able to purchase a weapon? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that people on terrorist lists can buy yeah, weapons to begin with. So I don't know that this is actu- actually an issue. Ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines that hold up to 100 rounds. So up to, that would be zero up to 100. 
<laughs> Ban assault weapons in high capacity magazines that hold up to 100 rounds. What if they hold 200? Anyway. Then he goes on to say, You think the deer are wearing Kevlar vest? He asked. That's where it came from. That's where the meme must have come from. Yeah. So, again, in his disassociated mind from the real world and the way all these liberals are, they think the Second Amendment is about hunting. They think that it is just for hunters and that only hunters should have any sort of pew-pew um, to, to go hunting with. No one else needs one. And now they're, they're saying, well, why would a hunter need a magazine that holds up to 100 rounds? Basically is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't. And that's, that's not what they're, they're for. And the audacity of him to, to bring this up and say this, especially with what's going on in Ukraine right now, and and it's just a prime example of what the second what our second amendment is for because other countries don't have they said a constitution they don't have a constitution like the united states they don't have a second amendment they don't have all these guaranteed rights of of citizens which ours is one to be able to defend ourselves against domestic and foreign enemies which is what ukraine is experiencing right now there is a foreign entity that is invading their home and had their citizens been and they had in Ukraine they had some sort of system set up to where you could own a gun but it's more like like in New York type thing where only you had to prove you needed it and all these other stipulations and whatnot and they had to be kept in their house and locked up and they could only use them under certain circumstances. So it wasn't like they could carry them, right. you know, day in and day out to be able to protect themselves. But then they changed that law. Their Congress went in and said, oh, yeah, everyone can now uh, possess a firearm. And all the gun stores there have sold out, which I don't know why they're making them go buy their guns. Why don't they just give them and provide them guns <laughs> to, to be yeah, able to help point. fight? Because I've seen I've seen pictures uh, and I've seen some videos and articles where they are issuing some citizens firearms and they're going but they're going through a training process also and showing them how how to use yeah. those. And I'm sure as soon, as soon as that came out, I think of people like showing each other how to train and stuff and kind of combining knowledge on that aspect of it. So yeah, but again, it's you know it's reactive instead of being proactive. Right. And, and you know, here in America, we have that ability right now to be pro, mm -hmm. to be proactive. Before something like this happens, we can own firearms and we can go out and we can take training courses, and yeah. we're able, you know, depending on what state you're on, you're in, you know, we can carry firearms to protect ourselves day in and day out from evil. Yeah. Uh, and the measures that these liberal gun grabbers are trying to put out there are nonsensical putting laws on top of laws that already exist that, that we don't need um, and things that don't work. You know, again, these, these um, ghost guns, you know, they call ghost guns. You know, they make that out to be this huge problem uh, and issue in America where 
you know, there's people in, in their garage that are just manufacturing these guns and then just distributing them out to and selling them to anyone and, and everyone, but they're not. Right. You know, they found a very minute percentage of these firearms that have been used in in crimes and you know that have been seized from criminals. Uh, but they shouldn't be able to track our firearms anyway. There should there should be no way to trace them to us anyway. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous because when a foreign government does come in, they're going to go to that registry and they're going to find everybody who has guns and they're going to go to them and either kill them and or take their weapons from them. I think also too in addition to firearms like um, I think America is very proactive when it comes to the Second Amendment, but they also we also need to like also think about the other prepping stuff like food, water, supplies, batteries, like energy sources and stuff like that that we're a little bit less proactive on. Yeah. Because uh, we see what happens in Ukraine. Like, yes, they need firearms and stuff now, but also those people need food. So, like, yeah. that's also as a society something we should also start walking towards as well is a little bit more prepping on the back end side of it too. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. But also, just like our last episode, something that you're going to need far more often and is going to come in uh, a lot more handy is medical knowledge and training. And so that, you know, needs to be top of everyone's list. Yeah, 100%. So that's my my jack wagon. Everybody knows Sleepy Joe is is on the the jack wagon train. Ban assault weapons, high-capacity magazines that hold up to 100 rounds. You think the deer are wearing Kevlar vest? <laughs> it's just so how out of touch and how protected and isolated these people are from the real world. It's, it's just it's astonishing. Uh, let's see. Repeal the liability shield that makes gun manufacturers the only industry in America that can't be sued. He made that statement also. These laws don't infringe on the Second Amendment. They save lives. How does that save lives? By suing a gun manufacturer. That's like suing a peanut butter company for somebody who choked on eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But on the last episode, we did talk about that a little bit with the Remington, the Sandy Hook Remington lawsuit. Was it Remington or Winchester? It was Remington. It was, I think it was Remington because I was yeah. I, my mind went to that when you said it. Yeah. So, um, and we talked about that briefly in the last episode, and they they were trying to sue Remington. And of course, it didn't go to court, or it was thrown out of court. Remington didn't lose uh, this case, but their their insurance company decided to settle out of court. So settling out of court doesn't mean that you're guilty or anything like that. Again, I kind of went through some of the reasons as to why they would do this. Um, but I had an email, and I want to find this email. This is from Leadhead Joe. And let me find it. Remington Insurance Settlement. It says, the Remington case never went to court. Remington isn't paying a dime. Well, they kind of are. Because they do pay the insurance companies. Okay? So let's get that straight. Remington wasn't found responsible in court. Instead, its insurers settled the case without explanation. Insurance companies do this all the time. And I realize that. And that's what we talked about in the, the last episode. Uh, it says, Connecticut journalist Chris Powell describes it below. And he sent me a link here. 
and I'll just click on it here. It says, Newtown dumps democracy and Lamont worsens scandal. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but whoever you think, whatever you think about guns this month, $73 million lawsuit settlement paid by the insurers of the former Remington gun manufacturing company to the families of victims of the 2012 school massacre in Newtown is based on a false premise pursuing an unconstitutional objective. Federal law exempts firearm manufacturers from liability from criminal misuse of their products. The Second Amendment establishes the right of the people to own guns. So how could Remington be responsible for the massacre in Newtown? The company wasn't found responsible in court. Instead, its insurers settled the case without explanation. Excuse me. So who knows what their reasoning was? You'll have to get in touch with them and find out. I just speculated that instead of going through all these court battles and the millions, it would probably cost them more than $73 million to continue, I guess, with the lawyers and all that. So they just decided to settle, I would assume. I don't know. That's my my theory on it. Uh, this says the theory of the plaintiffs was that Remington violated Connecticut's Unfair Trade Practices Act with its advertising for the rifle used in the massacre, advertising that was said to have appealed uh, to disturbed young men like the massacre's perpetrator. But there's no evidence that the perpetrator ever saw any Remington advertising. Instead, he didn't even purchase the rifle. This was done by his mother, who, despite her son's long-standing mental illness, there's a key um, factor there in most of these mass shootings, mass murders, took him target shooting and built his interest in guns. On the murderous day, he stole her rifle and made her his first victim. She killed his mother, stole the gun and killed his mom. Of course, the plaintiffs themselves don't believe that Remington's advertising caused the massacre. They were not seeking to regulate gun ads, but to close down the entire gun industry, which is true. When the settlement was announced... Uh, Co-plaintiff Nicole Hockley was candid about it. She said that the lawsuit and settlement had shown gun makers, their issuers, their insurers, and their bankers that this is a high-risk market. It is not profitable, and you will be held accountable. Which they can't under that. Um, was it the unfair trade practices? Not the unfair trade practice, but the the other one that I said that protects firearms companies. Um, deprive any industry of its bankers and insurers and it will go out of business or go underground. When the gun industry goes out of business or underground, the Second Amendment will have been nullified without any democratic decision of the people and the states to repeal or modify it. You know, and that's what we're seeing uh, a lot of, like with these PayPal's and some of these credit card companies that won't allow a a gun manufacturer or a gun seller, anything related to the firearms industry, to use their services to collect money. And now I think some of the banks are involved with this also. Um, this this My Pillow guy. Have you heard of heard of Mike Lindell, the My Pillow yeah. guy? Like even the banks are not allowing him to to do business or anything. And he's not even firearms related. He's just yeah. a, a pro constitution, you know, pro America kind of guy. 
pro-capitalism. Uh, everyone sympathizes with the families of the massacre victims. Many people support enacting more restrictive gun laws, which is not going to do anything. Like the Newtown plaintiff, some people would even repeal the Second Amendment and confiscate all guns in private hands. But if the Newtown plaintiffs get their way, they will destroy not only the gun industry, but democracy as well. And we're seeing a lot of that going on right now, not just the firearms industry, but any, anything or anyone that has an opposition to a socialist, liberal uh, agenda. And it's, it's worsening every day we see this. So we have to fight back and we have to say enough is enough. And we do that by our elected officials, right? So you have to be very careful in who you vote for. You know, and it starts in your your local election. It starts at the grassroots and works its way up. Yep. So in your your city and uh, county and state elections, that's where you know it really makes the difference. You got to start there and then work our way up. So there a little, a little, I guess, clarity on last week's uh, jack wagon. But there you go. And thank you, Joe, for sending that. I appreciate it. And then Joe also recommended, and and I was trying to get her on with us today, uh, Maddie, was that we have, where is it at right here? He said, by the way, do you know how many gun owners belong to the Connecticut Gun Rights Association? There's 45,000. And the president of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League, who has the 45,000 members and growing, uh, her name is Holly Sullivan. And uh, we were going to try to get Holly on uh, with you today, but uh, her schedule wouldn't allow it. So maybe we'll get Holly on in a in an upcoming episode. Yeah. So good email there, uh, Joe. Also, Salt Pork, I think is his like Instagram name or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we appreciate that, and we like to hear from all you leadheads. So if you've got a you got a comment on maybe something in the past show that we discussed or something that you want us to discuss. Uh, Talkinglet at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. If you've got Jack Wagon nominations, if you've got Leadhead Brigade Heroes that you want to nominate, uh, send those to us, talkinglet at gmail.com. Hey, Leadheads. White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste liquid aerosol and pre-saturated bore specific patches called seal skins they all do the same thing just different methods of application the best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm and there's two reasons why i say that first you start with the seal one clp plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out bore barrel everything with the seal one clp plus you'll see how easy it spreads around you'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. 
And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code LEADHEAD for a 25% off discount. What about heroes, Maddie? You got any heroes that you want to put on the uh, Lead Force One? Yeah, so I guess my for my heroes is definitely, I guess it's kind of a good lead into um, the Red Letter Project, but basically this new branch of my business slash like this new project we've been working on, um, we have a couple sponsors that I would definitely like to kind of shout out, I guess. Um, Give them a shout out, yeah. Hell yeah. Got some props over here. Um, so for our video audience, uh, you'll, you'll be able to see this. Yeah, so you can see more. You can look up, up on Instagram, of course. Um, the first one is Handle It Grips. I don't know if anybody out there uses these, but I put them on like every single gun uh, I possibly I've never own. heard of it. What are they about? So basically what they are is they're, you can either get rubber, sandpaper, or this new um, edge grip. It's like a combination of both, basically. Yeah. Uh, it gives you a little bit more stability with your firearm. Basically, it gives you some like dexterity in the hands. Oh, okay. I, I like you. the sandpaper. It's a bit aggressive on the hands if you're not used to it. Um, but it is amazing and I, I love their products. Um, so it's like an adhesive that you would put over your pistol or your rifle. Yeah. Grip. yeah so it like sticks, you basically, um, take off the backing. It's like a sticker and then you put it on the gun, blow it with a hairdryer real quick and then you're good to go. And I, if they last a long time, um, yeah. I think I put at least 10,000 rounds through one of the Glocks I own that has the sandpaper grip on it. Uh -huh. And the grip is like still intact and still works totally fine. So, you know, yeah. it's a lot of, a lot of. Uh, wear on it but i like sent me that a that's like an alternative to stippling your grip kind of it is i actually like it better because yeah. um i feel like a stippling over over long periods of time sometimes wears down this stuff like you just peel it, it off does it's it like polishes yeah. after a while because of all the rub you polish it and it gets slick again and then exactly and it's and it's permanent too so like if you want to change the color or you want to change the style of it like they're i think they're like 20 25 bucks online and they're great um i love this yeah. company and they sent me this. They sent me a few that had. It was Matty Dog Edition. I don't know if you can see it on the thing. Yeah, but look at that. Look at you. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Get <laughs> your own product. I like that. Yeah, and you see the sparkles. They're so pretty. It's like rainbow, Sp but um. <laughs> so it looks like sandpaper to me. <laughs> it is. Well, I guess you can't really see it in the picture, but they're sparkly. I like it. Okay. Uh, another sponsor we have is um, Steel City Ammo. They're a local ammo company up north, and they make some great stuff. They were nice enough to supply us for the weekend of the retreat with ammunition for myself and the other instructors, so we're pretty excited about that. Very cool. And we're going to um, talk about this retreat, so... Yeah, we are, yeah, so hang tight gonna, on yeah. that. Hang um, tight. We'll give you details up, about that. Next up, we this. got KGM, just to make sure everybody knows my gun is clear. KGM makes suppressors, and they also make really cool SIG triggers. I've been running this one for, I guess, about eight, nine months now, and I absolutely love it. So if you have a SIG 320, um, that's my go-to. That's what I recommend. But they will be giving out a couple of the triggers out at the uh, retreat coming up in May. Hold that back so, up. What what light are you using there? Um, this is a Surefire X300. 
using the Surefire X300 on your what? Talk about your gun there. So this is my Icarus as Icarus frame, Icarus slide um, with a delta point on the very top. But yeah, I've been running this gun for a while, and I actually I I love it. Um, what is an Icarus? Icarus is they make they make uh, metal frames for SIGs. Yeah, so that's a modded yeah. SIG. Uh, was that a P22? It's a 320. That's, three, that's a 320. Okay. Frankenstein 320. Yeah. Okay, it um, is Frankenstein. Yeah. She's got a lot of mods <laughs> on that thing. Talk about all the what? mods you got going on there. Well, pretty much the only mods is really uh, the Icarus frame. It has the regular SIG guts in it, KGM trigger, Icarus slide, and then that's pretty much the only thing that's different about it. But everything. Yeah. So everything's different. So you got the <laughs> yeah. You've got the uh, the the weight cuts there in the slide. You got the slide cuts. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it has the magwell like the, the magwell is flared magwell. Flared. Um, it's got the finger cuts, which is really nice. Normally on my guns, I stipple that out anyway. Like I stipple in a, an undercut there. Yeah. Uh, so it makes it a little bit nicer. And then it's got the big beaver tail in the back as well. Yeah. Um, so nothing really modified on it at all. <laughs> you for <laughs> yeah. everything. It's, it's not it's even. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was asking what gun is that because it doesn't look like a SIG 320. It's a bougie SIG. Uh, it's basically it like uh, the engine's the same, though. The the inside guts are the same. I didn't change that. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't have my – I was doing some uh, rearranging, and I don't have any of my firearms right here handy. Other than I did get uh, a new – I got myself a new DDM4 V7. Hey, there you go. Upper. Okay. So that's nice. I'm looking forward to trying that out. I haven't, I haven't shot it yet. So yeah. Um, Boys over at Daniel, give them a shout out too. I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm going to take this out and put some rounds through it and, and see how I've there never, I've never owned a, a Daniel defense before. So I'm excited to, to try it out. I've been, I've been running mine for, I think a, I got one of those. Um, it's funny. So many people give me crap for it, but I've always wanted a quad rail. Like I just love the look at it. The, the old school look is super cool to me and yeah. I'm super tiny. So like the regular quad rail is like way too big for my hands. And they came out with this slimline modification of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it was probably a while ago, but one came through the shop that I usually uh, like teach at. Yeah. And I just picked it up. I grabbed it. I was like, I'm totally buying this and I absolutely love it. And it's, it's way <laughs> too like, the size is way too it's it's too much for me as a like small shooter but mm -hmm. i've been running it for a while and just kind of getting used to it and having yeah. fun with it so it's been my fun is it fun too gun. yeah too wide too thick or is it too long no so it's a six it's a 16 inch so it's a little bit too long like practically like i probably need something a little bit smaller but yeah. i just love the feel of the quad because it does fit my hands it's a lot it's a lot thinner it's basically like that same rail that you have just mm -hmm. with the quad around it which is you yeah know, nice yeah, yeah. Um, and then also too, one more sponsor for you. Yeah. Safe life defense. Yeah. I got their safe life t-shirt on repping nice. it out. And then, uh, they make really good body armor. This is their frass. It's like flex. It's a little bit flexible. Um, this is actually a, a backpack plate, so you can put it in your kid's backpack. You can put it in your work backpack, whatever, wherever you want to. And it just fits nicely in there so that you yeah. can use it in case of like an active shooter or something happens. And they, um, they sell to civilians. Yes, they do. And they, okay. they make um, Good. quite a bit of stuff for police officers. They have sure. like their police line. Then they have like concealed carry body armor, backpack armor. Yeah. And they came out with this really cool thing called Hyper. I think it's called Hyperline um, from Safe Life. I don't know if you want to look it up on your screen share, um, but it's super thin. And when they actually like start producing them, the hopefully like, um, well, when they start producing them, I'm going to get one and use that as my like daily, like as I'm teaching vests. Um, 
just to put under like a jacket or something because it's so thin and light that you can actually do that on an everyday carry style. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that to come out. Let's see. Safe Life Defense. I'm I'm uh, pulling this up now. Yep. Let me do a little screen share here. Thanks for reminding me because I forget sometimes that I can. So okay. super thin, super light. You can actually wear it like under a jacket or or something like that. So it's not like super obvious. Yeah. Um, for me, I want it because when I train big classes and stuff, I don't want to look like, you know, have that super aggressive look to intimidate. Like I don't want to intimidate any of the women in my classes. Um, so that's just kind of something that's going to protect me, but also not be super obvious to yeah. everybody in the room, you know? Yeah. And the reason I asked, do they sell to civilians? Because some of these uh, armor companies will not sell to civilians. Yeah. And right. they're, they're thinking by they're thinking that they're protecting police officers by doing that, which is which is ridiculous mentality. It's stupid um, because they're not, you know, because there are other companies that can sell it, and criminals can get their hands on body armor if they want it. Majority of them don't use it anyway because um, right. they can't afford it. Um, yeah, but, but by that. not but Netflix. but by not selling to civilians you're not solving any problem for police officers whatsoever. It's just like saying, uh, Glock, we're not going to sell to civilians because uh, they could use that gun against, you know, our, our police officers. Mm -hmm. Stupid mentality, stupid, stupid. And people, companies that are doing that, I think you're ridiculous. Companies like Safe Light, Hey, you're a hero. Uh, I definitely right. will put them on the, the, uh, lead head brigade hero, lead force one. So, and they're great guys that work out there. Uh, Manny over there is awesome, and his whole team is great. Uh, they're super cool. They answer any questions you have about the body armor, and they also have a pretty good social media page, so I definitely also recommend following all of them, KGM, Handle It, Steel City, uh, Safe Life, all of them on Instagram. They post some good stuff. Very cool. We'll stop sharing there. Uh, so, yeah, all those guys, great companies, um, and they're, they're – supporting and sponsoring the red letter project that uh maddie is we're going to talk about that just coming up um any other heroes any other jack wagons come to mind before we wrap this i don't think i've got any listener submitted ones uh at this point in time so uh one one last sponsor is open site studios oh, they sure. were the ones that made my graphic for red letter project so um, they came on board as a sponsor and they helped me out with like the marketing side of it. So yeah. I appreciate them and 10, four visuals as well. They did uh, some of my videoing too. Yeah. And hold up that grip stuff. What's the name of that grip company? Cause I want to uh, check, check in it. Cause I do like those kind of grips also. I got this for my slides, mm -hmm. uh, for my Glock slides. There's a company that makes some that's similar to that, that you can put on the slide to get a better grip on your, your slide too. Yeah, so actually this company, um, it's called Handle It Grips. Uh, so my my Icarus, they don't have a model yet that fits it. So if you have a gun that they don't have a like a design for yet, yeah. uh, what I do is I actually order like $7 skateboard tape or non-slip tape on Amazon, and I just piece off what I need. Um, so you can see on both sides, I have like just a little bit of skateboard tape on there, mm -hmm. and that's temporary until they can get the model up for the Icarus version, yeah. um, which they're working on right now for those of you that have Icarus Well, grips. you could just take that and cut that. And put that on there. Yeah, you could. Um, you could definitely. And actually, I don't. I don't want to speak for them. I don't know if they're for sure doing it. I, it was just it, we had a conversation about it. So yeah. like I, said, I don't want to throw them under the bus. But I think they're going to hopefully make make an Icarus grip at some point, which would be really good. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, so let's talk about 
Maddie Dog Training, what it is that that you do, because uh, the statistics are showing. You know, we we're talking about the rise in female um, gun owners, mm-hmm. and there's there's been some statistics to say like you know it's up forty three percent from from years previous. Uh, some other rough numbers is that there are eighty million firearms have been purchased in the U.S. over the last five years. Uh, and in 2001, they're saying 5.4 million firearms were bought by first-time buyers and roughly a third of them being women. So a third of 5.4 million is what? Do the math. I don't know, but that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like over a million. Yeah. And what was that noise? Did you hear that noise? I did not. There was like a... A weird noise, like somebody joined our Skype or. We've been hacked. I think we may have. Wait, seriously? That was a weird, yeah, that was a weird noise. Huh. I don't know. We may... That being said, and I think a lot of these are probably panic buys, and people are just going out and, oh my gosh, all these riots, all these. Uh, un- civil unrest and mobs and you know all this that are happening. Uh, I need to get a firearm to protect myself. Uh, well, going back to the prepping talk, like same thing happened with toilet paper. Same thing happened with food. Like when I, w- I remember when I was living in England when coronavirus broke out, we went to a grocery store. Like the morning it all happened, and there was nothing out there. And I know it's the same here in the U.S. as well. Um, but it's just like. The panic buying, I think, for the first year this all happened was really, really bad. And then it's just kind of trickled out since then. Yeah. And this says that of those 5.4 million new first-time gun buyers, nearly half of them, so not quite half of them, signed up for training. Some sort of training. Yeah, that's said, good. Which is, which, that's a, well, it's important that they're they're getting training. But the, well, what, no, what it is. You know, and that's my point is, you know, you got yeah. all these first-time, never- bought one not to say that they hadn't had one because you don't necessarily have to yeah and they're tracking the the, the way they're tracking this is through that you know through the nicks you know, mm-hmm. through all the background checks that they do and the ones that were right. approved and then, then the pe- people ended up buying the guns um that's not to say that because it's perfectly legal that if i wanted to sell my neighbor a firearm i could do that mm-hmm. now you know it's it's up to me and it's my liability and responsibility on if that you know that's a someone who can own one legally, right. because I could be held accountable for that. Um, but you know it's up to the the person to do that, and um, so it's not accounting for those uh, those numbers either. So there, you know, it's probably a lot more than that. Definitely right. a lot more than that. Um, but the fact that almost half signed up for training that's kind of it's positive thing for me because I was think that number would have been a lot lower. Yeah, me too. I figured it'd be like a fourth or something <clears throat> like that. Yeah, but uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of these are probably single women who aren't relying on a male to protect them. You know, that's kind of been the mentality of 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 some of the females is you know, well, my boyfriend or my husband or my dad, you know, can can take care of that. But I think more right. and more. Real realization is that well he's not always with me, yeah. You know, definitely. and I need I need to take some personal responsibility. So I think the level of personal responsibility 
in females has increased. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. That's a positive thing because everyone needs to take personal responsibility for their own protection. Um, and training is part of that. And that's what you offer. And yeah. um, your classes aren't just for females, but you do offer classes that are geared towards and specifically for females. So the way I do my classes is like every, like the actual group classes are all co-ed. So anybody can sign up. What happens though is like, I think I was mentioning to you uh, before, uh, a lot of times I'll walk into the room of 12, like a class of 12 people and 11 out of 12 will be female and it's not advertised as a woman's only class. So I think that speaks a lot to, you know, how like those statistics that you're talking about, a lot of women are going out and buying guns. And I think that's really important. Um, But no, I don't, I don't categorize them just as women's only classes but i do have a ladies group that you know we've built up over the past couple years uh it's gotten to the point where i think we have about 120 or so members in it now Mm -hmm. uh what we do is we meet up one we actually meet up once a month at my house to do a bible study and then the week after we meet up at the range and do a shooting meeting so it's like kind of combine those things but we just rotate the women out like it's first come first serve basically first 30 get it every month um, and it's a really healthy group because a lot of them train a lot more because they have friends that do it as well now. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think women, we're probably seeing a lot more women in these, these classes as well because women are more, I guess, self-aware mm-hmm. than, than men, you know, and don't have that, oh, well, I don't need instructions on how to put this thing together. You know, I know how to use a gun. I, I don't need directions. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah. You know, and women are, are kind of the, you know, they're different. They're more realistic and it's like, okay, here's something, you know, a huge responsibility that I'm taking on. Right. And I need to know not only how to use it, but, you know, other type scenarios where safety and law and, mm-hmm. and all that come into play. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I think that, you know, that's a good thing too. And maybe a lot of men can learn from the women. Uh, by mm-hmm. this is like even if you think you know everything there is to know about using a firearm and self-defense you don't <laughs> there's always something to learn like always. no matter how many classes you take no matter how long you you've been training for there is always something to learn you're never never going to get all the knowledge that you possibly can yeah and never get complacent right you know, that's when accidents happen mm-hmm. definitely uh so you're based out of georgia mm-hmm down there in what area of Georgia are you in? Um, so I teach mostly out of Alpharetta. In the Alpharetta. And do you travel around? Yeah, I travel quite a bit. Usually, uh, lately it's been like two weeks out of the month I've been gone. Um, so this month I'm going to Louisiana, Vegas. Uh, and then at the end of the month I will be going, I think, back up to South Carolina. Something like that. Okay. But I teach mostly in Georgia. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and the name of that range that you're at, Shooter... Sharpshooters. So Sharpshooters is a huge indoor range in the Atlanta area, and they do a really good job of like uh, allowing us to train there. And they have a really nice facility, and they've just they've been really good to me. Uh, Sharpshooters USA indoor shooting range firearms. I think this is the right web. So I'm going to pull it up on my screen here. Yeah. Yeah, that's you because there you are. That's got to be them. Because <laughs> Maddie's on there. Start sharing. Boom. Yep, that's them. There it is. Now, if somebody wants to sign up for your class, is it under the calendar? Where do they go to sign up? Or do you so have your I'm own website? Uh, so either one, either my website or Sharpshooter's <clears throat> website, you can go to training on that tab right there. 
and go down to uh, classes. If you want to take a group class, you know, you can kind of go down there and figure out which ones I teach and which ones. Most basically, I teach all their pistol stuff at sharpshooters um, with the exception of maybe like one or two classes. But, yep, um, the way I do my classes is basically I have four main, like long, four, four to five hour classes. Um, and then each one of those longer classes coincides with three mini classes. And those mini classes are designed to form like repetition and through muscle memory and or muscle memory through repetition and uh, really give people the chance to actually practice what they learned in the class. Um, because in my experience, a lot of people will go take a bigger class and then not really know how to practice those things outside on their own. So we kind of solve that problem by making those mini classes that are just, like I said, straight repetition. They're like an hour long super cheap so people can take them over and over again if they if they need the extra help um but yeah that's how we usually run our group classes there okay very good um what i was gonna ask was <clears throat> and we're gonna talk about this you've got a a retreat that you're doing it's a women's uh only uh, i assume it's a women's only right yeah okay yeah. retreat it's called the red letter project women's retreat you're going to be doing this february the 28th um, so that's the day I think Kevin posted the blog. If you go up to the actual Red oh, Letter okay. Project website, um, it'll uh, be in the, at the end of May. Here it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, there it is. Yeah. So this is the Red Letter Project. And uh, I think this is awesome that, that you're doing this because, again, in, in those, those settings, I mean, even men, too, when you've got, when you've got co-ed classes, you, don't, you won't necessarily come out of your shell and maybe ask the questions or do the things that you would do if you were weren't around either a female or a male, right? Because it, it could be a timid, in, intimidating either way. Because the you mm -hmm. know the men are macho and you know all this, and maybe they would be a little less if if they did a, a male only. Uh, right, and it's a little bit more relatable. Like body size and body type is, is definitely a thing. Yep. Experiences in the past, like fears that people have, like yep. if you can relate to somebody else that it helps a lot i think especially yeah. with something as nerve-wracking as firing a gun for the first time yeah and that and you know body differences you know mm -hmm. as well the, right. you know, there are things so talk about your red letter project how this came about and what it's all about yeah so red letter project is basically what it's going to end up being is uh it's a huge woman's retreat we're going to allow 30 people to come to the actual retreat um, we're going to open up applications here in a few weeks for people to apply to it. What it's going to be is a weekend of just training, practical knowledge, uh, and also it's faith-based. It's a women's retreat. It's going to last about, uh, we're going to have a two-night, two-day event. Women can fly in from anywhere in the country if they want to come. It's going to be, the first one's going to be held up in so uh, Sawmill Training Center up in South Carolina. Uh, basically, okay. I asked What is couple, Sawmill? Uh, so Sawmill is a big outdoor training facility up in Lawrence, South Carolina. Um, and this retreat is actually going to be pretty much all inclusive besides ammunition because they have lodging, like lodging on site. They have, uh, catered meals, everything like that. So it's really nice. It's almost like a total getaway from everyday life. Yeah. Well, it sounds like also it's like self-contained. So everybody is there together the whole time. So when you, when you're finished, you don't, you know, everybody doesn't go to their own hotel room, wherever that mm -hmm. may be, or whatever, you're still there and people can, can interact. So it sounds like it's a, uh, relationship builder as well. Kind yeah, of, definitely. Kind of and deal. we're planning on like, so it's going to be a big retreat weekend, right? 
So every night we're there, we're planning on having a Bible study. We're planning on having like a campfire going and catered meals. And then we're also going to do some hand-to-hand combatives like at night. We're just going to like an informal session. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to kind of fit that in there, build some relationships. All the women are going to stay together in the lodge. So I think it's three per room or something like that. Um, but they're really nice. They have running water, full like nice bathrooms, full living room area. And it's, it's going to be cool. Sounds like they got a kitchen and kind of all that kind of stuff, everything, huh? But you're yep, going to do yep. more than just firearms training, it sounds like. So you're going to be doing some hand-to-hand combative defensive. You're going to be doing the, the firearm defensive training. You're going to do pistol and rifle on this? Um, So I'm going to be teaching my pistol portion. I've contracted out some other instructors to do a vehicle dynamics, like in a practical application setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also gotten one of our guys to do medical stuff. Yeah, so uh, Matt from Strategic Dynamics will be doing the um, the vehicle portion of it, as well as he's going to help me with the hand-to-hand combat part. Um, and then Robbie from Sawmill is going to be doing the medical portion, and he's also going to throw in some survival kind of tactics stuff in there too. Nice. Uh, I thought it was really important because a lot of women come in with, you know, they have kids or they have a family, or even if it's just them and they travel or something like that. Uh, a lot of I realized when I started running my ladies group, a lot of women didn't know the basic medical knowledge that mm-hmm. I thought was super important and necessary for having a family. So I wanted yeah. to put that in there to as like a practical like application. What would it happen if like you were in a car crash with your family and you needed to bandage up your kid or something like that? So we're going to talk about like yeah. tourniquets and chest seals and just very basic medical that, knowledge. That, that plays perfect on our last episode. We talked yeah. in detail about some of this stuff with uh, Medicine in Bad Places, Sean Solar and Thomas Kane in our last episode. What... What do you think are the, because that's what we taught is like, what are the key essential medical skills that everybody should know? Right. So I think, uh, first of all, you should know how to pack a med kit. So an IFAC uh, at the Red Letter Project, what's included in the course fees is actually we're going to give North American Rescue IFACs out. So everybody nice. has one. Very nice. Um, so I think it's important to know what to have and everything in that IFAC you need to know how to use. Yes. Um, even even if you don't have your IFAC on you, how to make like a makeshift tourniquet or something like that, just so that if something were to happen, you're not on your own. Yeah. Well, and that's something, um, you know, we talked about that is uh, you shouldn't pack a kit with something that you don't know how to use. So your right. your med kit, your IFAC kit should be uh, relative to your skills. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't know how to use a tourniquet, don't put a tourniquet in it. You know, right. But you should you should learn how to use a tourniquet. Right. You should learn how to use it. Um, if you do happen to have one on you, though, and there is somebody there that knows how to use it, that is a good thing to have, I guess. That's true. Um, That's true. Even if you don't know how, if you had one, someone there may know how and it would it would come in. That's a good point. That's a great point. Right. But uh, being capable is actually so if you scroll down on that page, we have yeah. a few of our core values up there. And I the reason I put the word capable up there is because. I think a lot of, um, at least in my experience, a lot of people in general um, want to be very independent. Like everybody likes to be independent. Sure. But having certain capabilities is what makes you independent. Um, not It's not only a mindset of being independent. It's also like pairing that with certain skills. So like medical skills, that that's super important to be capable. Um, learning how to protect yourself and not only using a weapon, but also how to use your hands if you don't have your weapon. That's like, you know, kind of goes towards being capable as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Being present, uh, a powerful presence. That's being aware of your surroundings, knowing what's around you, the situation that you may be going into. 
turning around and leaving that situation. That way you don't have to use any of this other stuff. You know, that's right. like, that's like number one is be aware of your surroundings and mm-hmm. don't put yourself in a situation unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. Cause we can teach you hand to hand combatives all day, but um, the best thing to do is learn the warning signs and leave before you have to use those combatives. Right. Like that's the goal is to never, ever have to even put yourself in a position where you rely on those things. Yeah. They might not work. That's true. That's true. Now you said this is a, it's faith based, but someone that attends this doesn't have to necessarily be uh, religious. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk, talk right. about that. Yeah, so um, I'm very open about my my religion, my Christianity. Uh, I don't view religion as a religion. I review I re- like view it as a relationship. Um, so if anybody wants to get, like, it's open to everybody. You do not have to be a Christian to come attend. However, like, if you want to come with an open mind, you might discover something new. You know, um, and our goal is to create Christian fellowship, but also create relationships between people. So. Uh, I think it's much more than just a shooting event. It's also like a community-based event that also might, you know, steer somebody on a different path in life. But you're not pushing pushing that on anyone. And like you said, you have these these studies in the evenings after the, the courses, but you probably will do them in the morning before too as well. But uh, they don't have to take part in that, that part of no, it. No, you don't have to. It's totally optional. Yeah. So that's just And they're not going to be judged for not doing that. Not going to be judged. No, this yeah. is uh, something that we offer because it's important to us. Um, like in my ladies group, I talked about a little bit earlier, we have a monthly Bible study. None of our ladies are required to go to that, though. So um, it's an option if you want it. Uh, yeah. You don't have to attend if you don't want to, but it's going to be there if you if you do want yeah. to. And definitely for, for those that are Christian, this, this is ideal for you. This would be a great. Mm-hmm. Is it a weekend? How many days is this? So it's going to be two nights and two days. So basically people fly in on Friday night and then stay there till Sunday afternoon. Um, and we have a lot planned during that weekend. So hopefully like we want to have check-in pretty early, I think in the afternoon on Friday. So it's going to be, yeah, pretty, a pretty long weekend. Okay. And it call the cost is $600. You check in the Six, 27th. I'm sorry. 600 plus whatever ammunition you need to bring. So bring, bring your own ammo. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume, let's just talk about that. So uh, kit and gear that they're going to need to bring themselves. You're not going to supply the firearms? No. So if you scroll down just a little bit, yeah, a more detailed list will come out to those who have applied and got accepted like later on, closer to May. But for the most part, you're just going to need your range stuff, like a semi-automatic pistol, a gun belt. You can either run outside the waistband or concealed carry. I'm not going to tell you which one. Um, we want to make sure everybody has, you need to, you need to bring the way that you're going to carry every day. So if you carry out of the waistband, you carry in the waistband. Uh, if you don't carry in a whole, like on your body and you carry in a bag, I guess you probably still would need to get you a holster because you're not going to train coming out of the bag. Right. (laughs) Yeah. still need a holster. Um, cause we're going to be working on a little bit of performance based stuff too. So just practical skills with a firearm. Um, you know, some magazines, eye and ear protection. I would like everybody to, you know, make sure that they have like a flashlight of some degree. Uh, if they have a shot timer, great. If not, it's optional. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll, like I said, I'll send out a more detailed list closer to time. But yeah, most people aren't going to have a shot timer. You know, they're not yeah. going to have an easy loader. Uh, yeah. I mean, some, some people may or may not have a flashlight, but that is definitely a piece of kit that you want to have as mm. your EDC. So as a responsible firearms owner. Not necessarily right. one on your, because you said handheld, not on your 
your weapon, not a weapon light. Right, a handheld light. I yeah. prefer that over a weapon mount of light, but either one works. That's fine. Yeah, but it's it's cool. And if you have questions about the kit or gear that you may need, or maybe you don't have and you need to to get it, you can uh, email Maddie, and she can give you some recommendations on what to get, where to get it. Um, and then maybe if they might be able to supply some of this stuff, but ammo, right. you definitely need to bring your own ammo and you need to get it now, um, before there's a run on ammo again. And it's, it's mm -hmm. in even shorter supply than it is right now. So, right. uh, now is that something that you guys can all, do you have ammo? Can they buy it from the range and have them keep it there for them? So we are still figuring that out. I think um, between sharpshooters and sawmill, I know that we, you know, carry ammo. Now, how we get that to them, it just we're we're still working out the kind of logistics of that. But it'll be finalized here within the next few weeks, I'm sure. Okay, very good. And when it, when is this going to be open for people that they can go and our lady listeners can go and register and sign up for this course? So basically how we're running it is for the next month or so, we're going to be doing some marketing and just making sure that we get the word out there. Cause like I said, it's an all encompassing women's event. It isn't just shooting. It's included in like medical stuff. Um, just relationship bonding, uh, community building is more kind of like the goal we're shooting for, I guess. Yeah. Um, we'll be marketing for the next like three weeks or so then we're, then we're going to open up applications on March 22nd. We're going to have those open for two weeks. And during those two weeks, anybody can apply, um, and then after that, we'll feed through the applications, kind of just look at, you know, pick out a few people of the, of the people that applied and then let you guys know within a week. Very good. And the website is theredletterproject.com. It's all spelled out uh, where you can go get the additional information. And that's where you would go to sign up when it, uh, when it opens up. And then I guess through there, they can also contact you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they can also contact contact, right uh, contact me. Make sure you go check out that website, theredletterproject.com. If you've got questions, there's a contact us uh, link there. And um, the Red Letter Project, how did you come up with that name? What what is that? What does that mean? So I got the name from... Is that a soccer um, term? What's that? Isn't that what you get in soccer? You get a red letter? For I have no idea. <laughs> Um, penalty so red letter project, the name came from basically like anytime you open up the Bible, the words that Jesus actually spoke are always written in, le uh, red letters. So that's where we got the name from. Um, there's is a that like songs in every Bible it. is every Bible that way. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, like, I'm sure not every Bible is like that, but traditionally the words that Jesus spoke were written in red letters. So that's kind of oh. where we got the name from. And like I said, it's a, it's an event and it's a, new branch of my business. So we didn't want to call it like retreat. We wanted to say it was a project because I'm sure this is going to branch in, into a bunch of different areas and aspects. So, and for 600 bucks, I mean, you're getting a lot. Um, like yeah. you said, the, the meals, the lodging, you're going to get an IFAC kit and then all the knowledge, all the training. Uh, and I mean, who knows, you may, you may make a new best friend there too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to have uh, three instructors there with you the entire weekend. Um, we're going to have people coming out to take pictures and stuff. Uh, it's pretty much an all-inclusive, like an all -inclusive, just kind of turn your brain off, but still learn, still be able to learn while you're there. Yeah, um, with like-minded so individuals, you know, and that's key. When, you, when you're when you doing training, you, know, you definitely want to be around a like-minded 
uh, mm-hmm. group. So this is that's awesome, Maddie. Um, so yeah, again, the redletterproject.com, you guys go there. And if you want to uh, contact Maddie about uh, just the regular courses that they offer there at the Sharpshooters, and is that the only place that you do your training? But you said you train, you, you, you will travel. Uh, uh, yeah, I will travel. If there's a range that wants me out there or like if somebody wants to take a group and bring me out to their state, I will yeah, yeah definitely go. We need to look at having you come up to Nashville uh, and do, yeah. some, do some stuff at the, the Royal Range. Royal Range is a is a awesome – it's an indoor range, uh, very nice range here in the, the Nashville area. Now, do you do any outdoor range training or is the, the majority of your stuff indoors? Uh, I'd say like – the majority of my stuff is indoors right now, but like I said, I travel to outdoor ranges all the time. Um, the the sharp sharpshooters is really close to where I live, so it's pretty easy to get there. And yeah, uh, we I've been with them for a long time, so outdoor ranges are definitely better on the ears. Uh, so I'm always happy to go teach outdoors. Uh, yeah. Sawmills a great facility, so you'll see some classes up there as well too. Very cool, very cool. So there there are a lot of questions that I want to ask you, but I've been kind of saving them for this this part of the show. So now I think it's a great time for our listeners to get to know Maddie a little better on a personal level. So we're going to find out more about you as the, the cool person that you are very outgoing and dynamic and fearless. So we want to learn more about that. So now it's time for the talking lead. New guy, new guy, new guy. So Maddie, this is something we didn't talk about the last episode, and I know that you you are limited on what you can discuss with it. But talk about your your military law enforcement background that you've got. Yeah, so I was in the Coast Guard for a little bit. Um, I spent about three and a half years there uh, before I moved to England a couple years back. England? Um, what are you doing yeah. in England? <laughs> I finished. I got my master's degree over there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so uh, I was in the Coast Guard for a little bit. I uh, was also getting my bachelor's at the time, too. So I uh, finished that, moved over to England for about a, about a year, and then coronavirus actually happened. So I was over there when they at the, when the entire world went on lockdown. Oh, you were over um, there for Rona, huh? I was, and that was, yeah, that was a interesting experience, I will say that. Um, so, yeah, um, got my master's degree over there, ended up coming back here and starting the business about three years ago, and it's just kind of, it's all kind of fallen into place now. Well, Trout, so what was life like in England during Rona? Because everybody knows what it was like here, and it yeah. was supposedly worse over there. Oh, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, so I remember at the time I was living in a super tiny apartment by myself. So like I lived by myself for about a year there. And uh, when it happened, I remember it was just like an overnight thing. We were, me and a few friends were sitting there watching TV in my apartment. And then uh, Prime Minister came on TV saying we're shutting down the country. And then the next thing I know, it's like, like ghost town. Um, You couldn't leave your house. The only time you could leave your your house was to go get groceries. Um, And then later on, like a couple months later, they allowed you to get outside and run for a couple hours if you wanted to. Um, So it was really weird. I remember being, you know, being in a foreign country by yourself. Uh, with nothing to do because my master's program was basically coming to a close because I had finished all my papers. I was just kind of like keeping myself busy doing things just I normally short wouldn't time do. In it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not a runner. I really don't enjoy running unless I'm training for something specific. But I remember over there, I would run almost 12 miles a day, like Ooh. just cause I had nothing else to do. 
Um, and it was, it was extremely, you know, it was, it was hard because you sit there and you stare at a blank wall for yeah. hours at hour, hours at a time. Cause you can't leave your house. Um, I don't guess you knew a lot of people. Yeah. I knew a lot of people, but a lot oh, of my did? friends ended up going home to their home countries. Uh, I wanted to wait it out for a couple months cause I had some plans after England that I would, I was hoping were, were going to happen. Um, but three months into it, I realized that it's not a healthy thing to keep yourself trapped in a box. Um, you can't do that to yourself. And uh, it takes a very mentally tough person to be able to to do that in general. So yeah. I just decided, you know, after three months, it's probably time to go home. Uh, some interesting hap things happened, too, before I came home. I remember just kind of a random story. Uh, I remember just kind of praying on it and being like, like, what do I do? And all the flights had to back home to the U.S. had gotten closed down. Like, yeah. there was nothing leaving the airports. Um, then the next morning, I woke up after that prayer and did my run and everything and a missionary actually stopped me on the side of the road and was like hey like can i talk to you for a second and i was like stranger danger uh no you can't but <laughs> he was like hey hey i'm a missionary and i just wanted to tell you god heard your prayers last night you're going to be taken care of and i remember just going home and being like what does that mean That's that was so super weird, weird. Like, yeah yeah like how does that possibly happen they were the only ones out in the roads that day um and then that night i was like okay i think it's time to go home looked up the flights, the only flight leaving from the UK to go back to the US and like before it, like after the airport shut down, uh, last flight out, I got, I caught that one and was able to come home for, nice. uh, the remainder of that time. So it was interesting, but I haven't been back to England, England since. Yeah. Did you like it over there? I mean, other than that portion of it? It was okay. I mean, like the experience was cool because, yeah. um, I like traveling. So pretty much every weekend I was there, I was in a different country, but yeah, it was, England's definitely, uh, People think it's a lot like America because we speak the same same language, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no desire to go over there. I just heard that they're rude and yeah, the food's not that great and food is not that great. I will say that. Yeah, um, I mean, it's food, very rainy. The city I lived in was basically it looked like, like Gotham City like and it felt Seattle, like a zoo. Like living in <laughs> Seattle. A lot of stabbings. A lot of. St oh my gosh, that, that's. Well, it's because they ban all the guns and, you know, criminals are going to be criminals and they're going to, they're going to commit oh, yeah. crimes with whatever they got. So, yeah. And a lot of, uh, the, you know, when I teach classes about concealed carry, a lot of what I talk about is situational awareness. Um, when I was living over there in England, you can't carry a gun, you can't carry pepper spray, you can't carry a knife, nothing besides like your hands basically. And so situational awareness was basically how we lived our lives and it was really important. Um, especially if you're living there by yourself and you're a five foot one chick, you know? So I learned a lot from that experience. Well, you're not your typical five foot one chick. So, but you know, other five foot one chicks can be just as self-reliant as you if they yes. you know, take the personal responsibility. Yeah, definitely. Right. Next question. Yeah. Oh, and thank you for your service. Uh, with oh, I appreciate that. Being a coastie. <laughs> they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Nobody knows what Coast Guard does. We do so much cool stuff. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. And and if you had the opportunity to to join the Space Force, would you join the Space Force? You know what? I went through a phase when I was younger about wanting to be an astronaut, and then I realized that I, I don't really care about rocks, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the experience to get to go to out of space, um, I think that'd be a step up from wing walking. But yeah. Space Force is that? Did they cancel that, or is that still a thing? I have no idea. I haven't seen anything about it. I know there's the show on uh, Netflix or whatever with Steve Carell. It's it's pretty funny. But all right, next question. We'll move on. Uh, when it comes to no, 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 that's not that question. 
What is your earliest recollection of firearms exposure? Um, so I remember, I don't know what age I was. I was pretty young. Remember my best friend? Um, I mean, you're pretty young my, right now anyway, so it couldn't have yeah. been that. <laughs> when I was younger, my kind of mentor <laughs> slash, uh, yeah, well, so when I was younger, my mentor at the time took me out and like showed me how to shoot and everything. And uh, it was kind of old school, like 45, 1911 style. But then I got in the military and we I actually learned how to shoot. And then I got out of the military and learned how to shoot better. <laughs> so Are you like a Hannah? What does that mean? You're like my mentor. You been, have you been training in the deadly arts of martial arts since you, know, you were born? And- <laughs> no, actually, my mentor was the one that taught me how to skydive and scuba dive <laughs> a little bit different but same concept yeah so and have you always lived in georgia for the most part uh then i moved to south carolina then i moved to england so yeah. gotcha and you were in england just for a short period of time right short period of time yeah yeah and during your your younger years with the the firearms did you do any hunting or anything like that did your mentor teach you how to hunt <laughs> no it was just very basic like how to shoot a pistol and like how to like be proficient with one, I guess. And yeah. then, like I said, um, got in the military, learned some like form- I had some really good formal training, and then really got good when I got out because I started seeking private training. Yeah. And what was the first firearm that you ever owned that you could call your own that you oh gosh. bought yourself? So, <laughs> in Georgia, they have a law where you know if you're 18 and you're in the military, you can get your CCW permit. Um, my my first gun was a Smith & Wesson Shield 45. <laughs> 45? You went big, huh? Yeah, I was like, uh, go big or, or go home. I'm going to, yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> it was not still, a, the best decision. Do you still own that? I do. I won't get rid of it because I'm super sentimental. I just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have no use for it. But You haven't gone and tricked it out or anything like that? Put some slide cuts in it, added that grip tape to it? No. Yeah, just your plain Jane. Smith and West. Plain Jane. Usually carry a Glock 19 with an armor. Nice. Like that's your EDC. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which which model Glock? Um, the 19 Gen 5. What do you think about the uh, single stack, the slim, slim model Glocks? Uh, I think it's the 48, right? I can't. Yeah, they got so many different numbers. Yeah, I don't know. 48. Um, I like them. I just personally like honestly, if you can, con- if I can conceal a double stack and it be a full size gun that yeah. I also run on like a teaching basis that yeah. I'm training with all the time. Like why not just run the same thing? Um, I think once you learn to conceal based on your body type and body size, you know, I'm five foot one, 115 pounds, but I can conceal that gun pretty easily. Like why not? Uh, I don't see a need to go yeah. drop down to something smaller personally, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there might yeah. be situations that might call for it if you're, uh, yeah, hotter climates less right less i do have a backup 43 so like if i'm on if i'm wearing something that i absolutely cannot figure out how to conceal my 19 i'll drop down to that 43 and just carry a couple extra mags there you go i mean that's yeah. always the answer just more mags <laughs> yeah i felt like one extra one in my backpack or my pocket or something there you go there's always room for one more mag definitely <laughs> uh so ask that all right we'll go to this one when it comes to pop culture what is your go-to, whether it's a movie, a book, a magazine, a TV show, a podcast, uh, whatever it may be? What is your go-to for the just like ultimate relaxation getaway? You know, this is my my jam. So 
so my all-time favorite movies ever are Mad Max, Fury Road, and Jurassic World. Like, those are my two. Everything I own is either Jurassic Park or something that has to do with Mad Max. <laughs> so the Mad Max Fury Road, is that the one with uh, Charlize Theron? Is that her name? Yeah. She's, uh, it's the newer it's the new, one. It's the newish version, yeah. Okay. Did you ever watch the older versions? I have. I didn't like them as much, though, for some reason. Really? And I will say... Um, so her hair, like her hair in that movie, you know how she's basically shaved. She has a shaved yeah, head, Yeah, she right? looks rough, yeah. Hey, I think, so my game plan, if the apocalypse ever does happen, is to shave all my hair off and go like 100% Furiosa style. And I think it's going to be really cool. <laughs> I think you should just do that anyway. Why not just do It'll grow I back. I thought about it. It'll grow I back. I thought about it. I think I can rock the short hair. Oh, definitely. I know you can. That's why they make hats, you know? You yeah. St start stylishing on some hats. Um, I like the older ones better. I got to say, I didn't really care for that one at all. Really? The, the whole baby thing. Uh, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't care for it much. Uh, and then dude is Mad Max. I didn't like him at all. I can't remember his name. You didn't like him as Mad Max? No, he was horrible, horrible <laughs> Mad Max. I didn't, didn't care for him at all. What's his name? Um, uh, oh God. Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. We got it at the same time. Finch folk. You'll make up. <laughs> I like him in some other stuff though. I mean, he's he's good in some other stuff. But I didn't. I just didn't like. He wasn't a good fit because Mad Max isn't. Anyway, it's more about her. I think that character. But anyway. I think it was. I don't know. For some reason, I think the movie. The it's reason Mad I like Maxine it so much, is what it should have been called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's the graphics in the movie that I like so much because the same reason I like Jurassic World as opposed to like the original Jurassic Parks is because like the graphics are really cool. Yeah, I like like seeing the dinosaurs and like. Well, see, that's another thing too is I've watched the newer Jurassic Parks and I, and they all, I like the older ones better. Yeah. Definitely, definitely like the first one. The very first one, you can't beat the very first Jurassic. Yeah, World. I mean that's original, but the yeah. the. Jurassic World was good, but the ones after it were not that good. It was pretty much just dinosaurs eating people, and it didn't really have a storyline, and I wasn't, like, a huge fan of that, so. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I've what i always enjoyed is I, I've enjoyed Westerns, you know, growing mm -hmm. up, but I wasn't really into Westerns, and specifically the spaghetti Westerns. You know, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed those, and those, you know, bring back memories of childhood and, and whatnot, because I'm a little bit older than you. Um. <laughs> But I recently got back into them. I started watching the spaghetti westerns again because they're putting more of them on those, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Hulu and Prime and Netflix Throwback. and all those. Yeah. So I started watching those again, and I watched one. I made a post about it. It's um, My Name is Nobody, and <laughs> it's it's kind of a spoof. It's a comedy spaghetti western, but it was made in the 70s, and uh, – I just I just love that and that got me hooked and I've been watching like one every night since really then. yeah so I watched one with Henry Fonda last night which Henry Henry Fonda was in that one also um, I can't remember what it's called but I watched one last night had Henry Fonda in it and you're seeing all these other people that are in these movies you're like hey that guy was in that movie with Clint Eastwood and then you'll go and you'll watch that movie and you'll go watch like the I think they call him the stranger the ones that Clint Eastwood is in, you know, like for a few dollars more, hang them high, you know, those spaghetti Westerns that Clint Eastwood, because he kind of in America, you know, he kind of set the trend for the, the spaghetti Westerns, but I've really been enjoying those for some reason. I, yeah. the, the, <laughs> not gonna lie. I've never seen a spaghetti Western. And there's not a lot of dialogue in them. Um, the special effects is, you know, there's none. 
whatsoever. It's just, you know, the storyline. And it's usually this one stranger comes to town. Nobody ever heard of him or anything. And he takes care of the evil banker that's trying to push everybody off their land or, you know, whatever. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh. They're, they're good. Have you not, have you not gotten into the, you need to, you would like them. Not a big movie person, not going to lie. Like, I've yeah. never really hooked on any TV shows or movies besides those two. <laughs> besides those two? Besides Mad Max and Apocalypse. Besides Mad Max and Jurassic World. Those are my two. <laughs> Dinosaurs and uh, Apocalypse. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you never get into Walking Dead either, huh? Nope, I've never seen it. Never seen Star Wars. Never seen Lord of the Rings. Like, all the, all the ones that everybody always references, yeah. they always go right over my head. Okay. What about music? What kind of music are you into? Oh, gosh. I, I do listen to music a lot. Um, like, kind of that bluesy rock type of music. Uh-huh. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, a lot of that. Bluesy um, rocks. That's kind of that's a good explanation. Who, yeah. What's a band that, that's <laughs> bluesy rocks that you listen to? Um. Oh, gosh. Now that you're asking putting me you this the, question. Putting you on the spot. Putting so me on the spot. Do so you um, like more fast-paced kind of music? Or are you into? I mean, kind of both. Yeah. Um, do you like Bob Seger? You into Bob Seger, kind of stuff? Uh, not as uh, a little bit. Not really. Like I don't. Not yeah. as much the old school. Old old school. See, I would I would have guessed you to be like thrash metal, heavy metal, Metallica. <laughs> um, let me let me give you an example. Lamb of God, kind of stuff. Lamb of God. Oh gosh. I think that's Where actually a Christian. Uh, thrash metal band lamb of god oh is it yeah huh um let's see i like uh highly suspect i like nothing more um machine actually i've been in a weird machine gun kelly kick machine lately like, gun <laughs> kelly okay i don't know why yeah he's made some really good like look up bloody valentine that's a good song i think that's i a did good yeah I, I do like that one that's a good one uh what about um, post malone yeah. uh not really a post malone kind of person because he's uh, i like caged elephant caged elephant i've heard of caged elephant yeah Kaleo's really good. Let's see. Um, Black Keys, that kind of, I guess that's not really bluesy, but. Yeah. And the reason I say, you know, I figured you to be that thrash metal because you're, you seem to be an adrenaline junkie because you do, you do skydive, you do scuba dive, you do wing walking, which we talked a little bit about last episode. And I think one of our questions, they want to, they want you to talk a little more about your wing walking uh, experience. I think he, uh, I think he, I think if I remember the question correctly, he's like, what was your mindset when you were getting up there? Yeah. I was like, oh, there's a lot of things going through my mind. But realistically, like when you're doing those kind of things, it's like up until the point of you actually doing it, your mind's racing and you're like questioning yourself occasionally and stuff like that. And then you get up there and it's game time. It's time to focus. It's time to make sure that nothing bad happens. And, you know, it's very clear, calm minded when you're actually up in the air, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you seem, like I said, you seem to do a lot of um, high adrenaline type activities. We'll, we'll say it that way. What, what, why do you think that you're attracted to those type of um, activities? Ooh, that's a deep question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to get in the mindset of, of Maddie here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, um, do you have brothers and sisters? I have a little brother, but he's nothing like me. He's a, uh, yeah. he's very, very super, super smart, kind of a mathy guy. Yeah. Um, so he, but he's really, 
not into the extreme sports kind of thing. Um, I kind of pick up after my mom. She's very much like me. But yeah. uh, as far as like the mindset goes, um, I mean, I've been doing this stuff since I was like 15 years old. So yeah. before, you know, most people were playing soccer and stuff when they were in high school. I was like traveling the country, diving for like full time. Like I was yeah. teaching dive and stuff like that. So And you do MMA um, too. I mean, we haven't discussed that yet. Either. I mean, you, you do you do MMA as well. So there's I mean, there's got to be at some point in your life you were just like, you know, this is what I enjoy doing because either I saw somebody do it or I don't know. I mean, do you know what the catalyst was that maybe set you in that path, set you on that direction? Yeah. So like, um, I actually, I, I, uh, so I was homeschooled for most of my life and then I went to public school for maybe like a year or two and I just, I didn't like it. Didn't really fit in. So I kind of, I left, I started working full time at a dive shop, like a scuba dive shop. Mm -hmm. Um, my mentor, that's where I met my mentor and me and him, and like a few of the other guys in the shop and like we had this like dive team that we would basically travel and teach classes and stuff like that um and our core core place was always the dive shop in georgia but mm -hmm. uh that kind of got me started on that i was also doing a lot of like bull riding and rodeo at the time too so like you get used <laughs> to that level of adrenaline and that's just a lifestyle at that point so um you know got you, you did that and i turned 18 started skydiving a little bit realized that that wasn't a good direction a healthy direction for me just because of like you know there's a lot of things that can happen and i really am a happy person i enjoy my life a lot so i didn't want to you know there's a certain yeah. level of risk that you're willing to tolerate to do those kind of things um so about that same time i started getting into the fight game and um that's really been my core thing for a long time so dive and fighting those are my two things that have stuck with me throughout like the more adult side of my life yeah um, What's but your yeah my oh sorry go ahead I was gonna say, what's your discipline um, in the MMA? What what's your focus? Is it jujitsu or what? What is it? Um, so I was a lot better at striking than I was grappling, but I did Brazilian jujitsu, Muay Thai, and a little bit of boxing. And you know, you throw in wrestling and stuff like that in there too. It kind of all kind of meshes together. Yeah, but is there one that you focused on more than the other? You said you definitely. More I think Thai. Thai was always my my go to favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So you're more of a knock them down kind of you don't more of a striker yeah definitely more of a striker um yeah. i picked i picked it up a lot quicker i guess there's there's people in the mma world that pick up striking quicker than ground game and yeah vice versa, so it was how always many, striking for me how many fights have you had um so my last fight was in may uh i took a break after that i did a lot of tournaments before then mm -hmm. um the biggest thing with like the fight game though is the the camps themselves take so much time so like i'm yeah. you know you'd be in the gym for six hours a day and when the business got up and going like really heavily, I didn't have the time for that. So like, right. it's kind of dangerous to go into an MMA fight. Like you're fighting somebody in a cage in front of 800 people without a fight camp. Like that's not a good thing to do. So I kind of took a break after that last one. And it was last May, I believe. Um, to win or lose? Yeah. Oh, I lost that one. I got my butt kicked. She was good. <laughs> like, let me tell you about that actually. Yeah. It was, hear about it. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. So that if you want to talk about it, I mean, that's fine. I'm okay with taking a loss. It's fine. It's a life experience. Um, so yeah, she like I remember before that, before that fight, I took that fight uh, before I realized that I was gonna end up. I was basically I had two full time jobs, so uh, there was no way at that time in my life that I could fit in a fight camp. But I'm not the kind of person to pull out of a fight because of that that reason. You know, that's sure. not fair to the to the oppo opponent. Um, so I did my best. Me and my coach were training like super late at night or super early in the morning because that's the only time I could actually like, you know, train. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of rough. It was really, it was really heavy on the physical side. It was uh, 
not healthy. I wasn't sleeping that much. So like going up to that fight, I wasn't really in the right mindset because I hadn't prepared the way that you usually prepare for a fight. Um, but the cool thing was, is, uh, it went all three rounds. It went to decision. There were some really tough moments in that fight. It was really cool. Um, for me, the reason I fight is because it teaches me a lot about myself and it also teaches me how I work under stress. So like, yeah, I lost. She, she definitely kicked my butt, but the one thing that the announcers did say, and the one thing that I know I took from that fight is the entire time, super calm, like didn't panic, didn't stress out, didn't get myself worked up. Like I just kind of took it as it came yeah. and I was really proud of myself for it. So, you know, I'd rather take a hard loss like that than an easy win, in my opinion. I don't you know, went the distance, you went the, the full three rounds. Or All three rounds. Yeah. I went to decision and I was like, there I definitely go. lost this one, but <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> At least you didn't get knocked out or choked out or anything like that. So, I mean, that's... No, I almost did. I definitely almost did. You almost she did? was a grappler, yeah. <laughs> so, is there is there a future? Do you see that uh, kicking back up or you think that yeah, is so, something in the past? Um, like the, the past... Well, I guess... Well, so, after May, I took a few months off just to kind of recover, heal, heal from a few injuries and stuff, and then uh, got back in the gym. Uh, this... Uh, well, let's say... Got back in the gym... But this at this point in time, I'm only grappling. I'm not striking at all. So yeah. I'm gonna, my game plan is basically grapple for a year or two, and then maybe if I have the time, like the, depending on where the business is at, then maybe get back in the cage. But for right now, I'm just going to do stick with grappling for a little bit because I need to work on that anyway. Like that was always my weak point. Um, so I'll do that for a few years, probably pick up a few tournaments, and then maybe get back in the cage. I come watch you fight. Let me know if you do that again. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because like, that last fight, I had more uh, gun companies sponsoring the fight than I did actual like fight companies sponsoring the fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool that they you know MMA hasn't um, limited that. I mean, you, know, you don't see it in like the big fights. Uh, I don't know if it's yeah. just cost prohibitive for firearms coming, or they actually to a certain limit. You know, when you get certain thing, they don't yeah. allow. It. I don't know, but. Well, it was interesting because uh, I remember a couple months ago, I went to a rodeo, like one of the professional rodeos down here in Georgia, and uh, USC or USCCA, like the Concealed Carry Association, tried to sponsor that rodeo, and they wouldn't let them apparently because of some sort of uh, marketing thing with their partners or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Bullshit. Like NASCAR, same thing with NASCAR. It's just yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad to, to see that they're doing Um Another uh, friend of the show – uh, guy in podcasting, the student of the gun, Jared Markle. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jared, but he was uh, he did MMA for a while. They called him Little Little Fedor. <laughs> that was his his uh, nickname, Little Fedor. It's funny. But I yeah. just had my my business name on my mouth guard. It said Maddie Dog. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> get your drawers. Get you get your uh, your robe and everything with that on there. <laughs> that would be sweet. All right, next question is, what is your next got to have, want to have, uh, once you get the 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 cash for it or whatever, you're going to go out and you're buying it? Oh, gosh, that's a – I have so many things. Like, I'm a gear person, so, like, I don't spend money on clothes. I don't spend money on, like, a bunch of makeup. I spend money on, like, my truck parts and yeah. gun stuff and dive gear. <laughs> so, um uh, definitely the next thing I'm going to go buy is I got some stuff I want to put on my truck. Like I want to change out the winch. I want to put a higher lift on it. What kind and of like, truck you got? Maybe, yeah, it's going, I'm going for an overlanding type rig because I go to a lot of these ranges and yeah. I'd rather camp in my truck than sleep at a hotel. So what kind of truck you got? 
got a Tacoma. A Tacoma. Nice. Tacoma. All kitted out, huh? Not yet. It's uh, not not there it? yet. I've got some parts I need to put on it. There you go. Um, yeah. So firearm-wise, what would be the next gun that you would buy? Um, I'm probably going to build out another rifle here soon. Mm -hmm. um, you like enjoy just, building your own? I, I like parting it together. Um, I do too. I, yeah, I like picking some companies that I support and just kind of picking and choosing what I put together, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't really, I haven't really thought about it too much, but probably put together a new rifle at some point, uh, maybe like a 12.5 or something like that. Yeah. Um, what else is there? I just built out a competition rig, so uh, put together like a CZ with the Black Scorpion belt and mag pouches and everything. And yeah. that would, that took a little bit of my budget out. So I'm going to kind of relax the three gun? for the next couple months. You doing the three gun competitions? Not right now. I'm just doing USPSA right now. Okay. Yeah. Just. <laughs> just among, it's really fun just among everything it. else definitely <laughs> so money be damned laws be damned what would you own anything hmm. I, I probably own a probably a let's see there's a lot of things I mean you could have I've anything what was the first thing that came to mind what was the first thing <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is like this is gonna sound really dumb but like a little shed at my house that has like when you walk into it it's almost like a perfectly enclosed like gear locker uh -huh. that has everything super organized like my dive stuff has one section and my uh riding stuff has one section my gun stuff has one section it's just like super nice and right now i have a gear closet but it's nothing like you know it's not really organized it doesn't really have like parted out spaces for yeah. different sports um, so like a really cool, like mini house for my stuff, I guess, which sounds kind of dumb, but yeah. I think it'd be cool. I would need, uh, I would need a person to keep shit organized for me because I, <laughs> yeah. I'm horrible. I don't know if you can see my background, but I, I tried to hide a lot of it, but I'm probably the most <laughs> disorganized person you've ever met, but I know where everything is, you know? Yeah. It's just yeah. piles. <laughs> I, I remember when I was like a kid, like, like 13, 14 years old, I had a, uh, one of my parents' friends had a gun locker that mm -hmm. they literally would pay me to come like organize for them. Like they'd take all the guns out and they'd be like, "Okay, can you just uh, like organize all the ammo and stuff while we watch you?" And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like I'm gonna make some some extra money on the side from this." You're like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> a really nice big gear room or building is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. State like I know there's a couple companies out there that do like organized spaces and all that. So sponsor oh, yeah. me. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so bigger, if you're thinking bigger, like you can own anything, anything, anything. money be damned, laws be damned. You um, I'd probably right own you something that transport, like maybe like an airplane so I could go travel easier. Yeah. Like, like I could uh, fly wherever I wanted to instead of having to drive everywhere. But at the same okay. time, I really enjoy driving my truck. So if I could just deck that out, I'd probably be happy. <laughs> so a really decked out vehicle. Yeah. Really decked out. Or how about this? Gas for life without having to pay for it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I was thinking, you know, I'm, we've had people that say, you know, I would I would have an island in my on my island, you know, and they I would have all this fortification with mini guns and I would have a a, a runway and I would, you know, be flying my, my A-10 <laughs> Warthog in on it. And 
I'm like, nope, I like my truck. I like my gear. I just need to organize it better. Can you help me with that? <laughs> Organization. I like it. I definitely like it. Now, you said you're, yeah. uh, you're a scuba diver also. Yeah. Uh, I am too. I haven't been oh, in cool. I haven't been in way too long. I need to to go again. Uh but that is something that I really really enjoy is Yeah. is getting down there and just nothing. Quiet, peaceful, calm, surreal. I just yeah, I love that. And I like wreck diving too. Oh yeah? Yeah. So I I've never, I, I got used to do, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of clear water diving and then it turned into a lot of pretty much solely black water stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of the meg- megalodon teeth that are, that are the size of your hand, but yeah. that's what we do. And we do, um, like we'll go on a river, take our little boat down, go to the river, drop down, you can't see anything and you kind of just pull yourself up by feel. Yeah. We find these big artifacts that we end up giving it a museum a lot of the times or we find big megalodon teeth that are the size of your hand. I should have pulled one out. I got one in that oh, room back there. But yeah, that would be cool. That's why you're in the Jurassic Park, huh? It's one of the reasons, yeah, because, like, if you're finding dinosaur bones, or not, they're not actually dinosaur bones, but, like, if you're finding fossils and stuff, it kind of goes hand in hand. Well, those are. Those are dinosaurs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got one? Let's see it. Yeah, give me one second. Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> So she's running to get her uh, megalodon tooth there. Uh, just a reminder, you guys, email us, talkingletgmail.com, if you got any questions, comments about any of our past episodes. Maybe you've got something that you would like us to talk about on the show, talkingletgmail.com. And, of course, we're on the social medias, at TalkingLed. And uh, we did a post with Maddie where we asked for your listener questions, and we're going to hit those here in just a second. All right, All right, so I got a couple. What do you got? Um, these are just the ones that I had sitting at the top of the fossil deck. But oh, nice. This one. See, I wanted to be an archaeologist. That was one of the things I wanted to be when I was younger. I mean, it's cool. I like finding rocks and stuff. Um, oh, a lot yeah. of times I have buddies that get super into like the scientific stuff behind it, but I just like finding them. I think it's really cool. And where are you finding these teeth? In Georgia? I can give away my spots. Well, you can give me the state. In Georgia? <laughs> So um, I found this one in Georgia. I found this one in South Carolina. Um, I found this one in North Carolina. Oh, nice. This yeah. is in, in the rivers there, huh? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really neat. I've never found anything cool like that. So. <laughs> Come I've, hang with us. So we'll make sure you find it too. I have dove with sharks before, though. The, you know, They're like live live sharks and then there was this one it was a it was a huge tiger shark it was like 12 feet long or something it was huge it was a yeah yeah and it was just lurking in the back you could see its silhouette uh where we were diving yeah that's really cool i hated it (laughs) i was like oh shit (laughs) but yeah uh diving i really i really enjoy that so if you could spend the day at the range with anyone, whether they're dead, alive, or fictional, or any group of people. Who would it be? Hmm. It's probably not the answer you're looking for, but uh, I'm not looking actually, for an answer. One of the- <laughs> I'm looking for your answer. <laughs> one of the best instructors I've taken a class from uh, is Mark Smith from JBS Training. I don't know if you've heard of him or if you know him, but no, uh, don't know him. he's out of South Carolina and. I don't know. Just uh, so actually, well, when I took that class from him, Chris Woomer was also co-teaching. So they were both phenomenal instructor instructors. Um, 
And I know Mark has been kind enough to send me some like dry fire drills and stuff once I got home from that class. And like I've stayed connected with him. Yeah. And he is a phenomenal instructor. And I cannot wait to, I, at some point, I want to, want to go take another one of his pistol classes. Highly yeah. recommend him. Very cool. So, so you'd like I to guess spend the day there too shooting with him. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. Be a happy camper. Okay. See, yeah. that's the whole purpose of these questions. It's just spur. It's not what I'm looking for or what you think people want to hear. It's what the first thing that comes to your mind, and you did that. You did that perfectly. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, everybody hears the question differently. Also. Right. You know, and their mind will go to, oh, you know, Wyatt Earp. I'd love to spend it with, you know, Wyatt Earp. Or like you said, yeah. Mad Max, that chicken, Mad Max or whatever, because it's fictional. It's dead. It's alive. Uh, yeah. You know, so, no, that's good. In my mind, I go practical. I'm like, who could I actually train with reasonably? <laughs> like Mark Smith. <laughs> yeah. See, you heard, you heard is who could I train with? That's mm -hmm. not what I asked. I said, if you could spend the day at the range with anyone dead alive fictional or but see it's it's interesting what people hear so you heard who would i yeah. train with and perception that, is everything you know and that's that's cool so very good so you survived the new guy questions good job yeah. uh I'll, I'll ask you this one but i probably already know the answer to it and this is one that i've added i usually end it with that one but um do you believe in ufos Alien. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't really believe in you. Ghost, both. anything like that? No. Um, Bigfoot? Not Bigfoot. Would you go Bigfoot hunting? Uh, I would just for like the if I organized a If I organized a big, you know, I'd say big, but I organized this group, and we've got all the state-of-the-art equipment, we've got heat and night vision and sound and... And we're going to go out to the woods in Washington State or wherever he's at, you know, supposedly. And we're not we're not going to kill him, but we will be armed, you know. For our, we will be armed, but our goal is not to kill Bigfoot. But we're just going to go out and we're going to once and for all, you know, we're going to prove or disprove this. I would go out there just for the pure like enjoyment of watching y'all try to find bigfoot <laughs> just to make fun of us <laughs> pretty much and uh like spend some time in the woods but i will say when i was in Eng living in england uh the loch ness monster thing or the loch, loch ness monster over i think in, in scotland or something like that yeah. i was trying to dive that lake and it just never got around to it loch ness yeah yeah loch ness. I, I don't believe in it i think it was something i don't know I, I don't believe in it but i think it'd be cool just to say you went there to dive in that area yeah <laughs> But no, I don't really believe in UFOs or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I do believe that that there are other life forms in in our universe, galaxy, whatever, you know. There's just there's just too many probabilities that there's not. Now, have they ever come to Earth? No. I don't think that we've had any visitations from any alien life forms other than maybe if a comet came in and there was, you know, some sort of micro, yeah, you know, life form or something like that, that on it. Uh, UFOs, things like that. that. Huh? What made you think of that question? What did I think of what question? What made you think of that? Well, I, I just, I enjoy listening to things about it. So I, I, you know, when conspiracy theories or, you know, UFO, you know, when recently the government, you know, released those videos of their pilots that had, um, video evidence of 
unidentified flying objects that were doing things that defied physics. Hmm. You know, they actually released that a, a, a couple of years ago. I don't know how long it was, but uh, you know, Roswell, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it makes me think it's like, okay, not really maybe necessarily aliens, but there's something going on either governmental wise or experimental wise that, you know, the government's trying to cover up. So uh, it reminds me of that Scooby-Doo episode from a long time ago. <laughs> Which one? They're all that way. <laughs> I don't know. Just one of them. <laughs> they're like in like uh, Vegas or something. And they're like tracking down aliens in the desert. For some reason that came to mind, but okay. interesting. I haven't seen that one. You'll have to send me a link. I that. will have to forward you all the UFO memes I see from now on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, Cause the listeners will start doing that too. So. <laughs> I think we should we should all try to start doing it. Inundate me with UFO memes. That would be <laughs> great. <laughs> so, exactly. Let's do this. Speaking of listeners, we've got uh, a few questions, and we've probably fielded them all. If you would, go to Instagram. My Instagram. Yeah, there were a few questions on Instagram, I think, um, about the Red Letter Project. Yeah, so let's go there. I'm going to pull it up. You pull it up, and uh, we'll field them together here. And... Uh, for those who are new listeners, I post questions when I can, when I know in advance enough who my guest is going to be. Uh, I give you an opportunity to post your questions there because we don't do this live most of the time. Uh, so we will read your questions on air. And if you haven't been to the Ready Man Network on Instagram, this is one that popped up. They, they post a lot of cool um, videos on there about crazy wildlife uh, mishaps and people fighting in the street and stuff like that. Uh, but we've had them on the, the show again. You're talking about Jared Markle. Uh, he runs the, the Ready Man Network social media there. Uh, they put up some cool stuff. All right, here we go. Oh, we got, we got a new one here since we've been recording. Lockdown secured. What is the most important thing to remember or do when defending yourself or others? And this is from Ronell over at Lockdown Secure. Thank you for the hmm. question, Ronell. Yeah, it's a cool question. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've been in a self-defense shooting or anything. Um, but if uh, I had to give an answer right off the rip, what I would say is remember to try to take the time to take a breath and make a good decision on whatever what it, whatever's happening. Try to take that 0.2 seconds it takes to breathe out. Think about what you're doing first before you do it. Yeah, and that goes back to uh, you on the uh, capable, present, and centered, your three. And actually, I would also say um, important thing to remember or do also uh, coincides with what you do before an incident ever happens. So, like, the planning and the training that comes prior to an incident actually occurring is more important than anything else, right? Because if you mentally prepare yourself to um, be in that mindset, it's going to prepare you a lot more than having to make a quick decision on the fly. Very cool. And I'm going to be uh, attending a training class that they are hosting with um, Gunsight out in Arizona the end of this month. So I'm, go I'm going out to the Gunsight facility sponsored by Lockdown and uh, do some defensive pistol, rifle, and shotgun training out there. So I'm looking, That's awesome. Looking forward to that. 
Uh, Morgan Mills, Morgan Mills Music, can't wait to learn more about the retreat. Any pre-qualifications to sign up? So the way I think I'm going to go or the way that we've planned, basically planned how we're going to do applications is um, you don't have to be a super event shooter. You don't have to be a competition shooter. I basically, the only thing I'm really asking for a qualification, like pre-qualification is basically just that like you've taken some form of gun safety class before you get there uh, because we're going to start everybody off on kind of like not square one, but we want to make sure that everybody's fundamentals wise is on the same page. Yeah. And it would really be helpful if like people could come in with at least a little bit of knowledge on fundamentals and gun safety. Yeah. Like, no way you don't spend class. all your time on that. And right. Instead of yeah. Yeah. Stuff. So you don't have yeah. to have taken 10 classes. You could have taken a gun safety course um, or some sort of fundamentals course prior to coming. And I'll be happy with that. Very good. Uh, and I know Morgan is very interested in this, uh, this retreat. She, contacted me and was like hey i'm very excited about it. she was she was going to be on with us um i tried to try to get her on but uh, again short notice she couldn't make yeah. it but she is very excited about this and she wants to talk to you uh personally so i'll do an introduction yeah. with you and and morgan that would be uh, great we're looking for just like any kind any kind of person as long as you're open-minded and you're willing to learn and uh what we're really looking for in applications is the effort put into it yeah. Um, so like I said, you don't have to be the most experienced shooter, but we do want to see that you want to be there. Like I want the women I choose to like have made that decision on their own. Like I don't want, you know, husbands forcing anybody to go. I don't want like that pressure to be there. I want it to be a purely individual decision and the effort will come out in the application, I think. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be kind of fun to weed through all the applications and see who applies and whoever doesn't get in the first time y'all, y'all will go on a priority list for the next time we run the retreat. Yeah, very good. Uh, Katie, KTD Healy 95. Good old Katie Cat. Question for Maddie. What is the minimum level of shooter that should attend the Red Letter Project Retreat? I think you kind of just answered that. And then yeah. a follow-up. Do you do training events for women who have little to no shooting experience? Yes, um, I do intro classes all the time. Um, and with those intro classes, kind of like I said earlier, we have the intro class and then we have three mini classes to go directly after those. So, um, you know, you spend your time in intro, you learn a bunch of knowledge, you basically drink through a fire hose, and then you come back later on and actually rep that stuff out. So if you're in the Georgia area, let me know. Or if you want me to come teach in your state, let me know as well. Very cool. Uh, and I think she uh, she's specifically saying four women. So oh, I know uh, you do co-ed classes. And yeah. would you consider doing a women's only course like that. And I think that would be huge, especially mm -hmm. again, for little to no experience. They don't want to be around the guys and you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we are going to have, um, I did forget to mention this. We are going to have a woman's only, uh, pistol fundamentals class going at sawmill in May. I'll be, t I'll be teaching that. Um, I don't have the exact dates yet, but it's, it's separate from the actual retreat itself. It's going to be before the retreat. Um, so that'll be an option. Sawmills up in South Carolina, if you're near there, but yeah, occasionally we will do women's only classes either at Sawmill, and if it, there's an interest in it, then I'll definitely do it at Sharpshooters as well. Cool. Oh, and uh, Ronell, actually through her account, she she posted one here. So Ronell Franklin, my next goal for myself is defensive training so I can create space between myself and an attacker. Can you please give some pointers on this and what you recommend as a good starting point? Great question. Um. 
I would say a good starting point is to create a boundary in your head of like what's okay and what 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 is not okay. Um, so in my mind, a lot of what creating space is is knowing where that limitation is. Meaning, like if you're walking down the street and somebody approaches you, you need to already have a mental barrier in your head where you're like, okay, if this person crosses this amount of space between me and me and them, that's when I'm going to actually act. Um, so whether that space for you, that personal space is three feet or six feet, whatever it is, like you need to have that boundary in your head and set already before you even leave the house. And you do that by taking courses and training. That's how you're going to know what that space is. So you go to a course like, like Maddie's, especially this, this red letter project that you're going to be doing, because you're going to be doing both firearms and hand to hand, um, physical, uh, defensive training. So Right. This would be and a perfect gonna, opportunity for somebody to gauge that. Yeah, we're going to try to make it more of like like the retreat is less so us telling you what to do and more of a think tank session. So like I want everybody's opinion, what their experiences are. And we're going to kind of use that prior knowledge like of what has happened in the past to kind of build a really good fundamental like knowledge before you leave. I want you to be able to have these boundaries in your head and know what those signs are and like kind of just have that situational awareness background before you even touch a firearm. I think that's really important. Oh, very good. Arms of Acadia for Maddie. I have a five-year-old daughter and I want to help equip her with tools to defend herself as she grows up. What is something you tell a young girl to give her confidence that she can defend herself if she ever needs to? Um, so I would say one of the most important things I've learned throughout my life is the way you hold yourself and the way you make eye contact with people goes a long way. Um, so like body posture, how you walk to places, uh, where your head, where your head is at, meaning like, is your head like sitting there in your phone texting, or are you actively making eye contact with people as you're walking yeah. through a are space? Are you looking at your shoelaces? Or are you aware of your surroundings? Are you looking around right. because criminals aren't going to pick you out of the crowd because you are alert. You're aware they want weakness. They want surprise. Mm -hmm. And using your voice too. Like if she's uh, what she, would you say? Five years, five years old, five year teach, old. Her, teach her to use her voice at a young age, young age, like, like saying no loudly gathers attention. It also scares a lot of people because people aren't used to confrontation, especially criminals. Like they're not used to being confronted. So if you can teach her to use her voice actively and um, actively make eye contact. And like I said, hold herself in a manner that like creates a powerful presence in a room. I think that's more valuable than anything else, honestly, especially at that age and assertive, be assertive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Those, those are great. These are great questions. Um, yeah. Those are good questions. Um, here's I have one that's on not so too. great, but <laughs> Oh, you got one on your face. Let's, let's read What's yours. Yeah, I said, I got, I got one, one here. It's not so great, but uh, we'll say, go ahead and do yours. So you got one on yours. Okay. Um, Mark, Mark underscore Ethan 01 said, uh, number one, what is something you are still struggling with now as it relates to shooting? And number two, what are you doing to fix it? Um, let's see. So actually, I think the thing I'm struggling with the most right now is I'm going from a, like I, I primarily teach on my open belt, like meaning like my Safari land holster with my open mag pouches and my SIG and like all that stuff kind of like a war belt. Mm -hmm. um, I teach with that a lot of the times because I have a lot of space to put things like I can put my shot timer on it. I can put Sharpies, extra rounds, all that stuff in there um, because it comes in use when I'm actively on the range. Uh, going from that to a competition rig is something that's kind of like newer, I guess, because I just put up that new setup. 
Um, so for me, getting used to a new gun and a new style of holster has been something I've been kind of struggling with lately. Um, and of course, like consistency transfers anyway, but right now I'm just working on getting used to that stuff. Like every night putting at least a dozen or so reps on it, no matter how tired I am and like actively using it on the range and not letting myself be lazy and using my other belt. So get, just getting used to a new setup is not really a specific answer to that question, I guess, but it's yeah. an answer. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I like that qu- that answer. Can I redo that? No, that's a good. <laughs> that's kind of I mean, what would you add to it? What would you add to that? Uh, I guess, like in addition to that, I realized um, like stage planning or uh, movement wise on stages. Like I've been kind of struggling a little bit to get myself to move a little bit quicker out of positions. I guess like I'll get myself in a position and get stuck there before I start moving in for competition, that's not good for your time. So I've been working on that as well, but you can cut that out. That was stupid too. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to include all that. No, don't include that. That was, <laughs> I'm trying to think like specifically, but realistically, like I've been focusing a lot of my time on changing my setup and gearing myself more towards a speed rig. Um, and that's been a kind of a weird change because I'm not used to having my holster in a certain area. I'm not used to this um, new setup. So I'm just, I don't know. It's just, it's a change. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's anytime you change your, your equipment, your kit, your gear, you've got, yeah. you're going to have a learning curve, you know, and you yeah. got to, and you have to go to the range and you have to learn how to do that new setup. You know, it's, yeah. otherwise you, you know, you're going to revert back to yeah the old. Like so. fundamentals always transfer, like your fundamentals will always transfer to a different gun, but like the little details and the little nitpick stuff, like, like your split times not being perfect or like your mag change times being a little bit slower because you're using a new gun. Like that all mm-hmm. kind of like they're yeah. minor details, but they do matter. Or you so. decide to do a different setup on your, your belt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Next question. And unless you got another one, we'll make this the, the last one. Um, and we answered sack Archer. He was the one that was asking about your wing walking. Um, I don't think we went into any more detail, but Corey Brown, and he's always coming up with off the cuff. Oh gosh. Uh, comments and questions here. So, uh, I I'm hesitant to read this, but at the same time, I, it it is a real, it's a real thing. It's legitimate, you know, especially mm-hmm. for for women. Right. Uh, my wife is well endowed in the chest area, and has shorter arms. She's got T Rex arms, I guess. We have tried Typical. lots of different positions and can't seem to find one she's comfortable with. Shooting position. Mm-hmm. Um, have you come across this? what are some solutions? So again, different body types are going to not be able to form, I guess, certain actions as precise as maybe they could be. So it's like golf, you know, when you got a bigger, fatter person doing a golf swing versus a skinny person, you know, there's, there's workarounds. So. Right. My advice, I guess would be um, to him specifically, uh, have your wife reach out to me and send me a few videos and pictures of like how she shoots as it is right now. Um, and I can make adjustments from there. I have run into quite a few problems like that. Not that one specifically, but there's always a workaround to whatever issues you're having. Um, I would say you probably need to get her with a trainer that either has like, like knowledge or I guess, how do I say this? Get her with a trainer that is female because that female is going to be able to talk to her a little bit differently and a little bit, she's going to feel more respected talking about that kind of stuff with a female as opposed to a male yeah. um, just because of the concept. But uh, yeah, have her send me a few videos. Get in touch with Maddie. Just get in touch yeah, with Maddie. Touch okay. With me, uh, just cause I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to speak before I see what's going on. It might be a fundamental issue too. So she might be yeah. do, doing something 
um, wrong position wise, that's not going to be conducive to any body shape. So, you know, we'll and that's, that. a, that's another thing too, is kit and gear that is out there, you know, with more and more women getting into, uh, firearms and shooting and self defense clothes gear is typically made and cut for a, a man's build, but we're starting to see more companies cater to the, mm-hmm. the female cut and build. And I, probably not as, as much as we should, yeah. Um, but you know, a smart company is going to realize the need and the demand and the, you know, the, I think we're going to start seeing more, yeah. um, clothing kit gear that are specific for different body types, not necessarily just women, but you know, yes, women. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. And I really hope so. It'd be really nice to not have to wear dude pants <laughs> like anymore. Yeah. And I think we talked about that last episode, you know, you were talking about, yeah, yeah. uh, and I said, first tactical makes a. Did you ever check them out? You need to go check out. Those I did. Pants. I need to order a pair. I ordered. Um, I ended up spending my money on Pranas because I usually wear those. But um, yeah, like they're between kit, body armor, stuff like that. Like even body armor is, you know, it's gets kind of funny when you're dealing with different types of body shapes, like you just said. So yeah. um, it'd be cool to see kit start to come out with more of a female geared kind of ratio, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because um, it really does matter if you if the if firearms in, in industry wants to include women, they're going to have to actively do things to include women, if that makes sense. Like they're going to have to make gear. No, that it makes perfect see. sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna have to make what gear would you say is the most have. lacking as far as catering to women right now? It's not the, it's not the pants, but what would you say? You is, mean like gear wise? Just anything wise. What What would you think is just like, you know, this. This really needs to be more catered towards a woman's style or cut yeah. or, or whatnot. Because we're seeing uh, lighter, lighter, skinnier firearms. So I think the firearms manufacturers are getting it. You know, I think they're starting to come around. Um, um, I would honestly say, like, more. It's, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but like, more female role models. Because what I've learned um, through cage fighting, what I've learned through diving, what I've learned through shooting, like it's always it feels like a lot of women are starting out without some sort of role model because like it's really hard to start something when you don't know if you're going to be able to do it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, To be able to see a woman on UFC fighting in a cage like I remember when I was a kid, I was like, wait a minute, if she's doing it, that means I can do it, too. You know, Um, so with shooting, it's the exact same thing. Like I've had a lot of encounters with women and they'll be like wait a minute, you shoot competition or wait a minute, like you teach, like, I don't even know, like, how, how did you do that? And I'm just yeah. like, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you like have some sort of example in your mind to go off of, you know? So I think like, like the marketing, the, um, like the influencers on Instagram, I hate that word, but like, we really need some really solid female role models for people to bounce ideas off of and like be welcoming into the community because like, yeah, we can see a bunch of, guys doing some high speed stuff on Instagram, but like that's just going to exclude women more because they don't think they can do the same thing. So one of the reasons that I put uh, vehicle dynamics in my red letter project is because not because it's uh, they're going to use it on a daily basis, but first of all, I want them to know what happens if you do have to use it. And second of all, because I wanted them to see that they are able to do this stuff too. And I think that's really important. I like that answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. But is, uh, <laughs> and just, just, to expound upon that a little bit, anything in the commercial market that you think really needs attention to cater to female shooters? Um, commercial market, meaning you mean like gear and stuff? Yeah. 
Um, Clothing, I would say more, more. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the whole like this firearm is designed for women. Like I think that puts us in a box. Um, mm -hmm. I really being a small frame female shooter, like I can pretty much shoot whatever everybody else, what like what everybody else is shooting. I don't think um, designing firearms basically for women mm -hmm. are the most is the most healthy thing because again that puts them in this box of. But, you but can women are all different shapes and sizes, just like men are too. So yeah, exactly. uh, what, what are you saying for women? You saying for smaller women? You saying for you know what whatever? But yeah, I get what you're saying, and I think like I said, I think the actual firearms manufacturers, the gun manufacturers, and not not necessarily saying it that this is made for a gun a woman, but it's it's lighter, it's more concealable, it's you know, without saying it, they're actually, you know, saying Yeah. Like I mean I've had a lot of women come in and buy um you know, they'll buy super tiny little pocket like bodyguard size firearm and they'll be like oh this was advertised as for women because it's tiny and then it kicks out of their hands and they were like confused why they don't like shooting and i'm like mm -hmm. that's because it was marketed wrong like you're that gun was not designed for the purpose you're trying to use it for yeah um so it's like so kind of a little pet peeve of mine when you know that that kind of narrative goes around yeah um so commercially i think we got to be really careful with that i would like to see female role models out there like advertising the same thing the dudes are running like the same guns um with small tweaks you know the clothing obviously needs to be different the kit needs to be a little bit different but like mm -hmm. as far as firearms go i think um sticking with standard stuff but putting a like a example out there would be a really good healthy thing for the industry i don't know um okay. also running like training wise having like good female shooters out there also doing as many videos as the guys are i think that's also important like seeing that seeing them train too yeah yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, lead, you know, visually by example. So that's right. Yeah. Are you doing YouTube videos or anything like that? I know you do some Instagram uh, posts from from time to time, and you know, you're not a gun bunny. So that's another thing too. Is you know, we got a lot of these gun bunnies that are just, you know, right. they are influencers. Yeah, they draw more attention to the industry yeah. and you know firearms, but they're doing it in a sexual manner, you know, which it, right. again, some people say, well, <clears throat> any kind of attention is good attention, but you know, no, that's ar you know, arguably not, not true. And I think there right. needs to be more of like you say, uh, and they may be an attractive female too. And they're bringing people by their attractiveness, but it's not the bikini gun bunny, you know, showing my, my whatnot, right. because there are some very attractive women out there that are doing legitimate firearms mm -hmm. uh, promotion and, and training and, and whatnot and are, you know, influencers, I guess. Um, and I have uh, something to say about that, too. Um, so there are a lot. There are a few of us out there that are legitimately have have dedicated our entire career to being that female or trying to be that female example. Um, and I will tell you, too, there's a lot of hate for it. Um, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten or how many like times a friend's called me up and just kind of slid this by me like I don't know if it was intentional or whatever but like mm -hmm. kind of being just like hey you have a following on it following on Instagram because you're attractive and I'm like no it's that doesn't mean that my entire following is only following me because my face is, right. is pretty it's because I'm right. trying to put out legitimate content and encourage a certain market in this environment like that's it's like, you're you that can't. role model that you're talking about yeah. you are that role model model uh, Maddie 
that for 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 the women that they should be following that encourages younger and newer people that want to get into the firearms they see you as like uh, and I don't think they're looking at whether you're attractive or not either. They're just like, hey, here's somebody who's really enjoying this. They're into it. It's, you know, they're taking it serious. They also do, she also is into scuba diving. She's also into MMA. She, she also is a little bit nutty and getting on uh, airplane wings. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's like, uh, so, you know, I think of role model as being, if I were to have a kid, like what would I want my kids seeing? Right. Yeah. So for the people, for those of us that are out there making, like trying to make good content, I know Amy five, five, six is also somebody I follow on Instagram. She makes really good stuff too. She's really pretty, but she puts out genuinely like educational content. And yeah. so like, I think for like those kind of people, it's super important for the people following in the industry to not dog them for being attractive too. Like yeah. it's okay to be pretty and also put out. Good it's content. very condescending. It's, I think of those people that have said that, Oh yeah, the only reason you have this following is because of how you look. That's very condescending. Right. You know, yeah, and exactly. it's not and it's true. Discouraging. It's very discouraging. Cause you're like, I've tried so hard to like avoid being the gun bunny or whatever. But yeah. every time I get on Instagram, if I see somebody saying that, you know, you're all you are is a pretty face. Like that's obviously you got to roll that off your shoulder and take it for what it is. But but the at the same time, like I said, it's a tool that you have or, you know, if you have it, you're, somebody finds you attractive and they follow you because of that. But the content that you're providing is educational and useful. Oh. Then so what? Great. Use your looks to do that. But don't like some of the people, you know, it's it's purely sexual and. Right. And that's, that's not who I am. And I don't yeah. think that's who people like Amy five, five, six are. And no, there's a like, lot I don't of, a lot of them that after that aren't, but they're, they're <laughs> yeah. this industry. And I hate it because a lot of the companies that, mm -hmm. that push and promote them, you know, they're pushing, promoting that, that side of the, the sex, you know, the sexuality of it, sex sells, you know, and, the, yeah. and they're jumping on that bandwagon or, because this, this guy, and they do it for guys too. There are, there are idiots oh, yeah. out there. Yeah. that are huge Instagram influencers or whatever they call them that have these huge followings, but they're, they're complete boneheads, Yeah, you know? And he's like, why would you ever put a gun in that guy's hand? Why would you want him associated with your product? Well, look at all the followers that he's got and the people that I was like, well, you know, you got to pick and choose your, you know, yeah, gotta, it, you there's want, a balance. But, I think, um, yeah, looks do help get people to your page i'm sure but like yeah. they're only gonna but stay that's not everybody and i don't want to you know i don't yeah. want to paint uh, and say yeah. that you know all the females that are doing that or that but they're not no know? they're not and we just have to i think and the most important looks thing are I'm subjective to too you know uh, looks are subjective it's a subjective yeah. thing so yeah exactly <laughs> i think the thing i'm trying to get at though is like if if the industry wants more women in the industry they're gonna have to give us a break they're gonna have to you're gonna treat them serious yeah, you got to take you got to respect and you got to put the respect out there. You have to take us seriously and you have to um, not assume everything is always about looks because it might not be right. Take a look at like what they're saying, like the words that are coming out of their mouth, how they speak, their character. Like that is yeah. more important than anybody's face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you and you are doing that and you're doing a great job. And I appreciate. personally appreciate what you are doing for our industry for the 2A community. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. And with this retreat that you got coming up again, give everybody where they can go and get information on the red letter project. 
Um, yeah, so Red Letter Project, um, if you're interested in a huge weekend full of like other women and learning how to shoot, learning how to do med stuff, all that, um, go to the website. It's www.theredletterproject.com. You can find some information there. So you can see on the homepage, we got a little bit of information about our values and everything. Then under the RLP May 2022, you'll find course information, the main graphic, um, cost, location, things like that. Things you'll need um, for the class. Yeah. Things you'll need to know. We got some instructor bios of the people that will be teaching there. Um, some FAQs. And then, of course, we got our partners. Uh, real quick, too, as far as partners go, uh, myself, Sharpshooters, Sawmill, Strategic Dynamics, and DG Diverse Visuals. We're all partnering together to do this. Um, so, yeah, if you have any questions, contact us on that page. And same for sponsors as well. If you want to sponsor the event and you have some stuff to contribute, we'd love to have you. Very cool. Very cool. So there yeah. you go. And, and then, of course, your your uh, Instagram, how can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is at MaddieDog underscore training, and it's M-A-D-D-Y. And then we also recently opened up a uh, Red Letter Project account as well. So you can see in my bio there's a Red Letter Project account. Um, some information there and then, yeah, just feel free to shoot me a DM or shoot me an email. Uh, and then yeah, you, yeah. do you have a website also? Um, so website is just the red letter project. And I think you had asked me earlier, but if, uh, if I was doing any YouTube stuff, yeah, YouTube, um, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. At the time being, I'm not doing YouTube cause I'm focusing on making sure this project goes as according to sure. plan. Um, however, eventually I do want to do some sort of podcast. Um, so you might see that one day. I'm not quite sure though. That's a phase two kind of thing. So well, I think you should talk with me and maybe we should just do like a, a monthly segment or something like that. If, hey, I'd be good with that too. Maybe let's, let's talk. We could work yeah. something out on that. Definitely. But yeah, so guys go check out Maddie, Maddie scholar, Maddie dog training. She's down in the Georgia area. You can find her hanging out slumming at the, uh, uh, sharpshooters. Yep. <laughs> Which I haven't been there. I haven't been there. I need to go next time I'm I'm down that way and yeah. check it out, definitely. But it sounds like it's a great facility, great range, great people that run it. Um, so if you guys are down in the Georgia area, you're going to be down that way, sharpshooters, check them out. And is that the, that's the right website there, right? Yep, that's the right website. Okay, very good. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. I know you're headed to do some training. You're improving yourself, always... Like you say, always learning there. So you're headed to a thing right now. We're, you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So actually, like right after we get out, out off this call, I'm going to go pack up the truck and drive to Louisiana for a four-day Brazilian jiu-jitsu slash shooting class. Few, me and a few of my friends that are also females are going to go. That sounded super weird. But like a few of my girlfriends are going down there to have like kind of a girls weekend and train a little bit. So I think it'll be really fun. But um, we'll probably yeah. post some content about it this weekend. Very cool. Yeah. Very good. And uh, we're going to have Maddie back on uh, soon because she's got uh, a lot to talk. Maybe we'll work out that segment uh, between now and, yeah. and next time. But uh, until then, make sure you go and support all those that make this show possible. Mission First Tactical. Uh, you go to missionfirsttactical.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 20% off at Mission First Tactical. Uh, the dump trays that they make there. So, uh, I think we talked about this last time. We got uh, these dump trays that they make uh, that are great for just at the end of the day, throwing all your your ammo, your guns, and so you're not scratching up your tables. But I use them for uh, gunsmithing. So when I'm out working on my guns, 
I put all the parts in there, uh, the chemicals, it's resistant to the cleaning chemicals and whatnot. Uh, and especially the ones I use because I use Seal One and they're all bio-friendly, uh, Seal One, CLP, green engineered, uh, made in the USA, Seal One. Check it out. Did we get you some of this last time? You're supposed to be getting some of this. So if yours hasn't arrived, we'll get you some, Maddie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dwight will we'll definitely hook you up. Um, um, yeah, sealone.com. It's not .net. It's .com. You go there, use the code LEADHEAD. You get 25% off. They've got these awesome kits that will have the cleaning cloth, the brush. It's got... Uh, three different kinds of delivery for their product. So it's got the paste, it's got the liquid, and this has the pre-soaked bore patches in it as well. And you can get those for specific calibers. Uh, just designate which caliber you want when you go on their website. Uh, and then they sell all this stuff separately as well. So sealone.com, use the code LEADHEAD, 25% off. Uh, and then Keltec, Keltec Weapons, is a sponsor of the show, and they've been a sponsor for many years we were going to be going to their booth at shot or for NRA, but we're not going to be. Some things happen. They're not going to be able to host us at NRA. So uh, we're looking for a new sponsor. So if uh, anybody's listening and they want to host the lead quarters at NRA, uh, but they did to make up for it, offer a discount code uh, to you lead heads and it's good on their shop. So you go to Caltech's website, anything in their shop, no guns. It's not good for guns because they don't sell firearms on their website. But if you use the code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 15% off. They've got cases. They've got shirts. They've got hats. They've got flashlights. They used to have knives. I don't know if they still have knives or not. Uh, but they've got all kinds of cool uh, gear in their pro shop. So go to KeltechWeapons.com. Uh, use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 15% off uh, anything there at Keltec. I know they're advertising some sort of new case that they've got that's perfect for their sub-2000s, the Keltec sub-2000s. Are you familiar with those, Maddie? The sub 2000? They're the ones that uh, yeah. fold. In. I've heard them. Yeah, the little ones that fold, they're so cool. Yeah, the little nine millimeter carbines. Yeah. Um, perfect for those. And uh, a couple of their other guns they said it's specific for. Uh, but go check them out. And then on our last AK corner, Curtis Halstrom with the VSO Gun Channel offered uh, a discount to you leadheads at vsordnance.com. And he has his own line of. AR-15s that he's made there and if you use the code LEADHEAD you can get 10% off his his rifles it's VSORDNANCE O-R-D-N-A-N-C-E dot com use the code LEADHEAD and you're going to get 10% off there and I think they're already reasonably priced so you're going to get an additional 10% off uh, the VSO ARs there uh, I think that's everybody. Uh, Medicine in Bad Places. Oh, sorry. Medicine in Bad Places last episode also uh, initiated a discount code for you leadheads. So if you want to go get your, start building your IFAX or get one that's pre-made, uh, anything on their web store, leadhead, 20% off uh, at Medicine in Bad Places. Uh, so there you go. Taking care of you leadheads. Our listeners, the leadheads, uh, don't get it any better. I didn't give anything away this episode. I normally give something away, uh, but we will be giving more away in the upcoming episodes. Of course, the AK Corner coming up the 15th of this month. We're going to be talking about, uh, I think the the lineup right now is um, furniture, like stocks, uh, muzzle brakes, 
and triggers. I think that's what we're going to be talking about, AK specific. And then we'll probably talk about touch on some of this Ukraine stuff that's going on too. Uh, some of the the weapons and things that are being used over there in Ukraine. So that's coming up. But until then, as always, lead heads, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer and apply for the Red Letter Project. Sweet. I like <laughs>